77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sydney. I love you so much. Time has slipped away And suddenly it's hard to find The memories you left behind Remember, do you remember The laughter and the tears The shadows of misty yesteryears Times and the bad you've seen, and all the others in between. Remember, do you remember the times of your life? Reach back for the joy and the Maybe my most valuable piece of audio that I own, my late father, the great Harvey Rosenberg, singing me happy birthday three years ago today in April of 2020. At the time, I was celebrating my 53rd birthday, and my father passed away literally two months after that. He died in the summer of July, in the summer of 2020, I should say, July of 2020. So every year on this birthday, I get a chance to hear my dad's voice again, which uh, was very, 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 very sad then and is still very sad now. But, but, and I was told this by people who lost family members, but the good news is, is that as you move on through life, the sadness doesn't go away, but you start to... You start to realize there were some great memories, too. And so now when I hear my father sing me happy birthday, it brings back some really, really fond memories. I have to tell you, it's uh, 6.06 here on the East Coast. I know we've got listeners in California, Florida, outside the country. My daughter's listening right now, but she's six hour, five hours ahead, I should say, just after 11 o'clock in the morning in London. But my phone has been blowing up since 4 a.m. 4 a.m., my beautiful wife, Danielle, sent me some lovely messages. And yes, Lewis, it would not be a Sidney Rosenberg birthday without an early morning message from our guy, Mark Chernoff. Oh, man, he didn't <laughs> yeah. forget. That's crazy. Every year, every year, here it is, 605, Mark Chernoff. Hey, Sid, congrats on your ratings 
and wow. a very happy birthday to you. That he never forgets. What? Never he forgets. Insane. P.S. If there's a shift on Saturday, I'm still around. I'm still <laughs> available. I'd love to be there. Miss everybody and have a good birthday. My man Chernoff, he is actually the second radio legend this morning to wish me a happy birthday and talk about the ratings. I got a uh, message on my Facebook page early, early this morning from a legitimate Radio Hall of Famer, in my opinion, one of the greatest, not my opinion, it's a fact, one of the greatest rock and roll DJs ever. The great Jim Kerr sent me a message on Facebook which read, Good morning, Sid. Happy birthday and congratulations on the great numbers. This is crazy already. Well, it's funny because I had an argument with somebody in the business, and they were kind of uh, making fun of the 12-plus rating. You know, oh, doesn't mean anything. All agencies care about is 36 to 64, 18 to 49. And that person was right. That is true. That is true. But any decent salesperson, you start getting eights in 12-plus. Any decent salesperson can go directly to the advertiser and sell it. That's a fact. That's a fact. I mean, I must never got numbers. So at 12-plus, coming off the March book, I just received a 7.7 yesterday. 7.7. So we no longer do books anymore because of the new system. But in the uh, quarterlies, I finished with a 7.6. And those are outrageous numbers. I don't want to hear about demos and you know, 18 to 49, 36 to 64. If you can't sell nearly an 8 in 12-plus, you're in the wrong business. And when you get guys like Mark Chernoff and Jim Carr unprovoked congratulating me this morning on these numbers which came out yesterday and Chris Olivero and a host of others, then we must be doing something right. No, Lewis? What does that tell you? No, no, no. No. Of course, it's, it's outrageous. It's crazy. I mean, nobody gets that number. Nobody gets that number. I mean, right. yeah, of course. I don't care huge. what the agencies care about. It's huge. Yeah. Come anyway, on. I don't I'm... want to talk about ratings all day today. No. I am going to bring on Frank Morano at 640 because he did a 12.5 overnights, which is an outrageous number, too. So we'll talk a little more about ratings with Frank Morano coming up at 640. But today is really about my birthday and the news of the day. You know, when I say my birthday... I have to read this to you. I put this up on Facebook over the weekend, and somebody asked me from a magazine, what is the essence of the Sid Rosenberg show, of Sid and Friends, okay? And I made this comparison. I sent this to you, Lewis. Even though we talk politics on this station all day long, I don't consider this, these specific four hours, a political show. And maybe that's why I get the best ratings. I don't know. I don't know. One thing has to do with the other. But here's what I gave this magazine. What I said was politics is to the Sid and Friends show what the mob violence was to the Sopranos. It's the periphery. It's the red meat. We both do it very well. But the essence of both shows is life, family, and everyday ups and downs. And that's the truth. I mean, we get five or six really great political guests every day. Every day. Larry Trump, Eric Trump, 
Bill O'Reilly, Peter King, Rich Lowry, Michael Goodwin, Miranda Devine, Bo Deedle. I don't leave anybody out here. Judge Napolitano, Joe Tacopina, Arthur Idala, Nicole Maliotakis. It goes on and on. We get five or six tremendous political guests and newsmakers every day. But that's not why this show succeeds. Why this show has success, and you can... You can rate this show's success any way you want based on any silly rating number. Is because what I try to do every morning is A, be very relatable to folks out there getting up right now early in the morning on their way to work. Maybe they're celebrating a birthday. My mom is. She's going to join me at 8.05 this morning. Happy birthday, Mommy. Naomi, I love you. Corey Zelnick's brother celebrating a birthday today. Maybe it's just an average workday for you. Whatever it is, what I try to do every morning is make this show relatable. So, for example, when I get stopped in the street, very few people, it's a tough bunny this all the time, very few people go, man, I love what you said about Trump. Man, I love what you said about Eric Adams. No, they go, you know what's funny? My daughter, she goes to college, and it turns out to be an Ava conversation. Or my son, he's going through this. And it turns out to be a Gabriel conversation. Or maybe you're married for a long time like I am, going on 31 years, God willing, this June. And it turns out to be a Danielle conversation. That's the show. God bless her. Yeah, exactly. Saint. So my daughter sent me a happy birthday message last night. And again, she's six hours ahead. So five hours out. I keep saying the same thing. So at 7 p.m. last night here in New York, it was midnight in London, and Ava decided, okay, it's Daddy's birthday. So she sent me this. I'll read it. Dear Dad, happy, happy birthday. It's technically your birthday here. Ha ha. I love you so much. Although I'm not with you today, thank you so much for coming to see me for my birthday. You seriously made my day. I'm so proud of you for everything you've done to overcome adversity. Thank you for supporting our family to the best extent and for being overall an amazing dad. You are truly one of my inspirations, someone I'm so grateful for. I hope you have an amazing day, and I love you. Love, Ava. So, look, this is uh, birthday number 56, my Lawrence Taylor birthday. I'm all broken up. It's not like I'm turning 50 today or 60, one of these milestone birthdays. But I got to tell you, after doing what I did for most of my life, which included a lot of hell, addiction issues, rehabs, hospitals, jail, There was a a lot of folks, they weren't sure if I would see 56. So now, for me, every birthday is important, especially when you've got two kids, my beautiful daughter in college, my son going into high school next year. Can't believe I'm saying that, but yes, Gabe going into ninth grade next year. These are the things in life that become most important. These are the things that all of you out there are experiencing as well. And this is why this show gets a 7.7, not because I'm going to play Donald Trump cuts for you today, which I'm going to do, 
Not because Larry Trump was on yesterday or Eric Trump was on last week. None of that. That is good enough to get you a three. 2.7, 2.8, 2.9. That ain't it. So when I sit down this morning at my microphone, and there's a card right here by the microphone which reads, Happy birthday, you bastard. Even though to these guys it probably didn't mean a heck of a lot, it meant a heck of a lot to me. And the card has a, a male and a female fishing with fishing rods. And the male says, that's got to be a good 12 inches. And the female says, well, that explains a few things. And the inside of the card reads, it's your birthday, that's huge. And now you're saying, well, who's this card from? Well, I'll tell you who. One of the folks goes on to say, they all personalize the card, welcome to your late 50s. First of all, I'm 56, not late 50s, you prick. Pain, sciatica, knees, teeth, hearing aids. <laughs> this is true. I have gone through all of these, all of these over the last three weeks. <laughs> I mean, all of it and much more. Uh, happy birthday, brother. Love you, Lewis. Thank you, Lewis. Welcome to your late 50s, and you it is late 50s. It you're is, over, I guess. You're over 55. Well, I did put on Facebook last night, I'm officially closer to 60 than, than 50, 50 this morning, yeah. Bingo. And you put, something, <laughs> you put something very funny here. You go, thanks for keeping my career alive. Happy birthday, mate. Love, Nick Kershaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he happened to get a hold of the card. Yes. Well, you were actually, that's funny. You were actually um, closer to 60 than you were to 50 the day after you turned 50. Well, that's true, yes. Yeah, yeah you can't get much by you, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Justin's in the card, too. He goes, the man, the myth, the legend, the best mentor and friend a young man could ask for. You're the absolute best, bro. Happy birthday, Alec. Thank you, Justin. You're welcome. This uh, this is from Frank Morano. This is really lovely. He goes, I hope you have an adequate birthday. Adequate. That's uh, that's new. It's not <laughs> the most Frank Morano thing I've ever heard. Yeah. It's not worse. Not bad. Sid, happy birthday. We all pitched in to buy you this card, which, by the way, there's an arrow to the price. The card cost $3.89. So between the five of you, this Dude, is that, from Noam, cost you about 80 cents a piece. Yeah. Wow. You guys really splurged this year. Wow. Well, something. It's adequate. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it's, it. It's pretty adequate. And finally, this is a shot at the listeners. This card would have been nicer if Bernard was still alive. <laughs> I love you, Bernie. Bernie used to love my birthdays and because Bernie never celebrated his birthday. He was like you in that respect, Lou. But uh, me, I celebrate mine, and it's already been a wonderful, wonderful day. And looking forward again to talking to Mom coming up at 8.05 and celebrating this birthday with all of you because you folks are my peeps. So we'll get to that. I do want to um, do want to play some of this Donald Trump stuff, though, from yesterday to keep you folks happy out there who actually care only about that. He did a Truth Social video, and in his Truth Social video, President Trump talked about saving America from Joe Biden's disaster. You know, I'm wondering if at some point today, President Trump, maybe on Truth Social or somewhere, reaches out to me, wishes me a happy birthday. I don't know if he's going to. I know his daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, did it yesterday on the show and on Facebook. We'll see if Donald Trump 
does the same. But in this Truth Social video, he talks about saving America from Joe Biden's economic disaster. This, Lewis, is Donald Trump, cut number one. Cutting wasteful and job-killing regulations was a key part of my America First economic agenda that built the greatest economy in the history of the world. As I work to quickly save America from Joe Biden's economic disaster, and that's what it is, one of the great economic disasters of all time, I will restore my famously successful executive order requiring that for every one new regulation, two old regulations must be eliminated and I will ask Congress to make it permanent. We will again implement a regulatory budget, putting a hard cap on the cost of regulations to the U.S. economy. Instead of growing the size and scope of the federal government, every single year we've been doing that, we will shrink it every year with aggressive cost reduction targets for each federal department. In addition, we will require that all agencies' regulatory guidance must be posted publicly in a central database, or else be rendered null and void. And many of them will, in fact, be null and void. There he is, President Trump. Also, nice messages this morning. Susan Otto up in uh, up by Bethel. My mom lives up by Monticello. Doug Kisler, Jamie Cerner, Pete Morgan, Joe Parisi. I mentioned the great Mark Chernoff, Lisa Orban, Leslie Slender, the great Leslie. Uh, my friend Lori, real estate out in New Jersey, and Jeff Richmond, ah, good old Pickles. He loves to lift those weights in his 70s. Looks great. A great American, diehard New York Jet fan. We see him every summer at the gym up in Monticello. Thank you to Jeff Richmond. And my Instagram is lighting up at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. Thank you to Pat, Anthony Barbarisi, Heli Osorio, Monica Allen, Tommy Cook, and a host of others. Facebook as well. Thank you, folks. For all of it, if I don't get back to each and every one of you, that does not mean I haven't seen the message and I haven't smiled. Every single message that I get, I see, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, text messages, every one of them, for the most part, makes me happy and makes me smile. So if I don't get directly back to you, it's only because I've got thousands. It's not because I don't love you. one 800 848 WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Great guest list coming up on today's program as well. Once again, fresh off his amazing ratings yesterday, Frank Morano, he will join me at 640. We'll talk to Curtis Sliwa. Curtis will be here coming up at 705. My mom, Naomi, coming up at 805. Gnomes Nuggets, 825. Peter King, We'll be here at 8.40, and uh, I think I'm missing the 7.40 guest. But I don't have it here in front of me, so uh, Alec has that. But we'll get that to you. No big deal. It is a Wednesday morning, a hump day Wednesday on Sid and Friends in the morning on my birthday. Oh, actually, my dear, dear friend Joseph Takapina will be coming on at 7.40. Just getting back from London, where he celebrated his birthday last Friday, and his daughter gave birth to Joe Takapina's first grandchild. What a day today, folks. You're going to love this show. I promise you great guests, family, birthdays, all the things that make all of you love the Sid Rosenberg Show. We'll take a short break. Paul Eichel on this, number 56, Sid and Friends 
in the morning. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Is a blue shoots up through the stony ground. There's no room, no space to rent in this town. You're out of luck, and the reason that you had to care, the traffic is stuck. all the big stories today. Once again, Frank Morano, Curtis Sliwa, Joseph Takapina, my mom, Naomi, Peter King, all stopping by. But days like today, I tend to be a little introspective, and I tend to spend a lot of time thinking. I did that last night. I, you know, Danielle got home from work, and Gabby was already there. And I said, listen, guys, all I want to do tonight is lay on the couch like an old man like a guy turning 56, and watch the Knicks and the Rangers. Actually, the real order is the Rangers and the Knicks. Gabe got upset with me last night. He's like, wait a second, Dad. You care more about the Rangers or the Knicks? And I'm like, well, I hate to break it to you, but the Rangers. So I love the Knickerbockers. Now, look, the Knicks haven't won a championship. Sorry, Corey Zelnick. Since 1973, the willis Reed walt Frazier team. So the Knicks are now 50 years removed from winning a championship. The Rangers, we know, of course, won the Stanley Cup in 1994. So the Rangers are only 29 years removed. So at this point, the Knicks are further from a championship, in fact, over two decades than the Rangers. But in my lifetime, which has included a lot of sports and sports talk radio, and that's always been my true passion, my football giants have won four Super Bowls, four of them. Jeff Hostetler, two for Eli Manning. I know I'm missing one. Bill Sims, how could I forget that one? The Mets, the World Series, 1986. Tough loss in 2000 to the Yankees. Tough loss in 2015 to the Royals. We know that. But the Rangers Stanley Cup win in 1994, for me, the highlight of my sports life. It just was. Amazing win over the Devils, the amazing win over Boray and Vancouver, that ticker tape parade with South Barragamo on the corner of Fulton and Broadway at 5 o'clock in the morning. Never forget that. Mark Messier, Brian Leach, Mark, Mike Richter, just um, amazing for me. So the Rangers, that's where my heart lies with the winter sports. So I had to break it to Gabe because he's a bigger basketball fan. So he was watching the Nick game. I watched both. Every commercial that went back and forth. But the Rangers, the winner of the team I wanted to see win, and they did an easy, easy 
game one road win in Newark. The Knickerbockers, they got blown out last night. So that series is now 1-1. They'll make, uh, they'll play game three here in New York. But it was a perfect night just sitting there watching the Rangers and the Knicks and thinking, you know, how I got here. You know, I, I went to rehab in, in 1995. Went out to South Florida, and I'd been married for three years at the time, and my life was a complete mess, complete mess. And uh, Danielle, gorgeous, beautiful, brilliant, graduating Brooklyn College, Hillary Clinton was actually the speaker that day. I put her through such hell, it was, it was horrible. So I moved out to Florida in 95, and I was lost, you know, and then... This Internet sports company came along. It was the first of its kind. This was before ESPN, Fox Sports. It was called Sportsline USA. Started by a guy named Mike Levy on Cypress Creek Road in Fort Lauderdale. And now that same website today is CBS.com. That's how big that company got. And I did that uh, for a couple of years. I eventually did internet radio for that company, and that company sold, this is a true story, sold me and Scott Kaplan to 102.7 WNEW-FM here in New York, and that started my New York radio career. But that station, while the station was good, Opie and Anthony, Ron and Fez, Don and Mike, the radio chick, mornings were a disaster. It didn't matter if it was me and Scott. It became me and Craig Carton. That was a disaster. Eventually, Pharrell, Richard Neer, the sports guys, was a disaster. But as Mark Chernoff just pointed out to me, the Mets and Yankees played in the World Series that year. That was the Subway Series of 2000. And even though I was working at WNEW, my dream was to one day work at WFAN. And I remember one day Mike and the Mad Dog were doing a big show Met Yankee World Series from Rockefeller Center. And I ran after my morning show was over. We did the show from 57th and 7th, and I ran to Rock Center, stood out there like a fan, hoping to God someone would recognize me. I'm doing mornings in New York. No one had any idea who I was. Nobody. Except for one guy, Mark Chernoff, the man who ran the fan. And he said, hey, you're Sid Rosenberg, right? I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, I listened once in a while, because I wasn't doing sports. And I was cloud nine. Wait a second. Mark Chernoff listens to me? He just reminded me, Mark, that that's, in fact, when we met. He just sent me a text. He said, still remember meeting you outside Rockefeller Center so many years ago. Well, to be exact, Mark, it was 23 years ago. And so when WNEW decided not to bring me back, I reached out to a guy named Steve Cohen, who I spent the last many years running sports at Sirius XM. And I said, I think the fan kind of likes me. And he said, they do. He said, I know for a fact Lee Davis likes you. He was a GM. Connie Fitzgerald likes you. She was, I guess, marketing. And Mark Chernoff likes you. And lo and behold, instead of going back to Florida, I got my job at WFAN. And after I effed that up and everything else up my whole life, thank God Chad Lopez 
Craig Schwab, really Chad, not Craig, Craig wanted Lupica, gave me a chance in 2016 to come back. And I've been here at WABC for seven years ever since. And, of course, you all know how I feel about John and Margot Katsimatidis, two wonderful people, two great people who have rescued WABC, brought this station back to legendary status. And part of the reason why, and I think they'll be the first to admit it, is John and Margot let Sid be Sid. And the rest has been kind of history. But before I go to the clip of the day and a break and start bringing in all these wonderful guests, I did start this segment by saying I was in heaven last night on my couch watching the Rangers take out Joe Nolan's New Jersey Devils in game one. And I hate to do this to Joe. Actually, I don't. If you missed it, Lou Rafino, this is Rangers cut number nine. Brought in now by Tarasenko. Dawson Mercer checked in. Chance for Miller. Tarasenko. Shooting lane goes to Fox. He scores! Quieter with a deflection! Chris Quieter! It's a power play goal! Rangers win game one by the score of 5 to 1. There you have it. Sam Rosen on the goal calls. Two goals for Chris Kreider, both on the power play. Tarasenko opened the scoring. That was MSG. And my dear friend Kenny Albert on TBS. The Rangers go into Newark, New Jersey, and beat the living daylights out of a young Devils team 5-1. to one. And it is clear. I'm not a knee-jerk type of guy. It is clear after one game, the Rangers are too good for New Jersey. You made a you made a montage. I did. I, I just want to get this straight. I just hold on a second. Yeah. You made a montage right, of yeah. game one. Yes, I did. Yeah. I just want to make sure I got right, that yeah. right. You made a, got yeah. of game one. Yeah. That's like what you do after the finals are over, uh-huh. and you take yeah. a, a highlights of every. Se- you you took game one, game one of the yeah. playoffs, first game, yeah. and. They're playing a team who's pro- who probably they just came out of college. <laughs> yeah. them, and they should. But well, really- wait a second! You do realize the Rangers are the underdog in this series? Absolutely not. No, one hundred. No, they are one hundred percent the underdog in the series. All right, do you believe that? No, those are the there's, there's what odds. Are, what are the, what, no, 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 there's no odds. So what? what? If you bet the series in Vegas, the Devils came in second place. The Rangers finished behind New Jersey so in what? third place. If you bet this series before the series started, so the Rangers are the underdogs. So what? What I'll, do you mean, I'll, so what? I'll ask They're you, the underdogs. I'll ask you one question. Yeah. Okay. The Rangers lose this series. Yes. What? How do you feel? Is it a disaster? Not a disaster. The oh, Devils. Come on. The Devils finished ahead of them. Look, I know what you're saying. The well, Rangers are the better team. The Rangers. The Rangers, the Rangers have all stars on every line. Rangers should beat this team. The Rangers should beat every team in hockey That's except the Boston Bruins. Okay, they should beat. But this the team. fact is, you can't argue this. It's a line. It's an odds to bet it. The Rangers are the underdog in this series. Those are made up things by, no, by people. Not. 
Yes, they are. No. Just because they finished ahead of them yes. the doesn't mean they're the, a better team. Well, uh, listen, the Devils also beat the Rangers three out of four during the regular season and finished ahead of them. Right. And first of all, the schedule does not uh, does not lean towards the way it used to be when it was an unbalanced now, schedule. Listen, I, I get they, it. All right. I they, think the Rangers are the better team. The Rangers should beat but but we can't argue the facts. The facts are the Rangers are the underdog. In, it's like the Knicks. They're the underdog in the Cleveland series. Game one. Oh, my. Plus, for and also game one. You, you got to win crazy. game one to get to game two. Jeez, you're like the Edmonton <laughs> fans. You know what they did after game one? They threw garbage on the ice after losing the game in overtime. Well, that's they a, should. Yeah, they should. <laughs> that's, that's the beauty about Stanley Cup hockey. I almost thought I saw you in the stands doing it. I didn't get to Edmonton that bad. Uh, we got uh, Frank Morano coming up next. Congratulations to Frank on those big numbers on the overnights. Also, traffic with Joe Nolan. But right now it is time for the Tunnel to Towers update. The CEO, my man Frank Siller, is going to tell us how the foundation just honored a veteran in North Carolina. Good morning, Frank. How's it going, buddy? It's going good, Sid, and uh, happy birthday to you. Uh, Last Friday, Tunnel to Towers honored the service and sacrifice of Army Corporal David Tupper by welcoming him his wife, and five kids to their brand-new mortgage-free smart home in North Carolina. Corporal Tupper joined the Army in December 2001, shortly after the terror attacks that stole thousands of innocent lives on that fateful day. And after his vehicle was hit by an IED in 2004, he was left with a severe head injury. But that didn't stop Corporal Tupper. He just kept on serving his country. But then, sadly to say, in July of 2012, Corporal Tupper was hit by a rocket-propelled grenade in Afghanistan, and he suffered a spinal injury that left him paralyzed. So you're telling, me, you're telling me this guy got hit twice? Yes. At the foundation, Total the Towers Foundation, we built smart homes, specially adapted, to help our most catastrophically injured service members like Corporal Tupper. Come on, join us. Go to T2T.org. Donate $11 a month, and we can help more families like Corporal Tupper. All right, there it is. Thank you, Frank. Donate $11 a month for America's Heroes. Do it today at T2T.org. And, of course, listen every Wednesday for the weekly Tunnel to Towers update. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Alec here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. Find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers. Local playoff action in full swing now. So we'll start in Cleveland since we just went over the uh, Rangers-Devils game in full detail there. The Knicks, they got worked in game two by the Cavs, losing 107-90 to leave the series tied at a game apiece before they come home for games three and four. Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson went for 22-20, and 20, respectively, but that wasn't nearly enough to hold off a resurgent uh, Cavs squad. Nonetheless, the Knickerbockers, they got the split they needed on the road as their focus now shifts to Game 3, set for Friday night back home here at the Garden on the ice in Jersey. As previously mentioned, the Rangers, they flex their muscles on the Devils in Game 1 of that Eastern Conference Stanley Cup playoff series. Dominating play to the tune of a 5-1 to shellacking to take the game advantage. Uh, the Rangers are, uh, or Chris Crowder, I should say, found a home per usual parked in front of the net to tip in two power play goals on the night, including one off the stick of Adam Fox to put the Rangers up 4 to nothing at the time. Igor Shosturkin turned on playoff mode as well, stopping 27 shots to keep New Jersey at bay. Game 2 scheduled for tomorrow night in Newark, where the Devils will see if they can even up things uh, before the series heads back to Manhattan. And tonight in Carolina, the Islanders get the Hurricanes for Game 2 in their first playoff round, or round of the playoff series. 
Jesus Christ. Puck drop is set for 7 p.m. Eastern time. You know now? With the Isles currently down one game to none. And finally on the diamond, not a good night for our local ball clubs. Both the Yankees and Mets got pushed around by their respective opponents. Yanks fell at home to the LA Angels, a 5-2 with Clark Schmidt turning in another abysmal performance on the mound for the pinstripes. Yanks will see if they can pick up the pieces tonight at 7.05 p.m. at the stadium. Johnny Brito getting the ball going up against LA's Griffin Canning. As for the Mets, they fared worse in Los Angeles against the Dodgers, getting blanked 5 to nothing in the middle game of that series. We'll see if they can salvage the finale and the series win this afternoon at 310. Max Scherzer going up against the former Met, Noah Syndergaard. Here with sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a deal in there. You are the world's best-built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Anthony, I buy all my clothing from him these days. That gorgeous store, right down in uh, in Brooklyn. There, the garage. Matt Goldstein, Jimmy in Corvaya in sales. Laura Curran, John and Margot Katzmatidis with the beautiful messages. So they keep coming in on this birthday. I do want to congratulate our overnight host. He just came back. You ready for this? With a twelve point five. That is an outrageous number. I don't care what rating you're looking at, what demo you're looking at. 12.5, the king of overnight, the host of the other side of midnight. Got about five minutes for him, the great Frank Morano. Frank, good morning, buddy. How are you? I am doing great, Sid. Congratulations to you on the ratings. More importantly, happy birthday and uh, well-deserved. Uh, I see you're, you're, you're putting your birthday wishes to good use with a good ratings book for, for, for the whole station, especially mornings and overnights. So well, you, you too. Thank you. Great job, uh, as always. You really are doing tremendous work. Your show's great. You're great. And there's nothing you can't speak about, whether it's smoking cigarettes in Atlantic City, New York Met baseball, or uh, some of the bigger stories in the news, like this one, this budget battle in New York State, saying here some lawmakers propose not letting the governor get paid until the budget is approved. Personally, I don't want to see the governor get paid no matter what. (laughs) What is this latest story on Kathy Hochul? 
it's very interesting. So it takes two to tango. In Albany, it takes three, right? The three so-called men in a room, all of whom, at least two-thirds of whom, happen to be women. And the le- they passed this law when Governor Pataki was governor that if the budget is late, the legislature doesn't get paid. And that hasn't really been much of an issue le- lately because most of the budgets haven't been that late. But now, with not only the bail reform issue being pretty contentious, but the housing issue that Hochul's pushing uh, being contentious and the tax increases that the legislature is pushing being pretty contentious. It looks like we may not get a budget till maybe June. I mean, who knows? This could go on for quite a while. So uh, the legislature does not get paid until this budget is passed. The governor is not covered by that 1998 law. So now you have State Senator James Sanders Jr., a Democrat. He is essentially saying the governor should be bound by the same rules that the legislature has, and maybe we would get a budget a bit more quickly. Mm. And I have to say, there is a certain fairness to that. I mean, since both sides are part of this budget negotiation, if the legislature doesn't get paid, I don't see why the governor should. That's a good point. Frank Morano, host Other Side of Midnight, coming off a 12.5 rating. Congratulations to Frank Morano. Those ratings are, by the way, indicative of the show that he does. He does a great job. There are no contested elections on Staten Island this year. Now, I know you like all of the candidates. That's great. And uh, ideally, they win. You'll be happy because you like those folks. But in fairness, in the spirit of competition, something seems wrong there, Frankie. Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned this, Sid, right? Because my council member, Joe Borelli, is not only a great elected official, he's one of my closest friends. His son was a ring bearer when we got married. That being said, um, none of the council members, all three of them, none of them have an opponent. The DA, a Democratic DA in the most one of the most Republican counties in the state, he doesn't have an opponent. And when I say they don't have an opponent, I mean there's no one else on the ballot, not in the primary, and so far unless someone runs as an independent, not the general election. Um, two Democrats, two Republicans running unopposed, and not to mention the ju- the uh, judicial candidate for civil court running unopposed. Now, this is the only bipartisan borough. This is legitimately the only borough where both Democrats and Republicans get elected. And, and yet now not one of them has even token opposition. This is really undemocratic. And I think it's a failure of both of the major parties and maybe uh, even on the part of uh, a lot of local residents to step up and demand that somebody should be running. So petitioning started yesterday if people want to run as a third party candidate. But uh, it would be nice to give the voters at least the pretense of a choice because this is a real bummer. This is what they even in even in uh, Turkey. They have at least a pretend election. We don't even have a pretend election. Right. All the candidates running unopposed. Uh, let's go back to Kathy Hochul for a second. New York does have a new chief judge now. Now Hochul wants to fill the remaining spot on the Court of Appeals. Where are we with that? Well, you know, it's how she did it, right? How she did it is totally unconstitutional. So basically, they have this commission on judicial nominations, and uh, they came up with uh, a few picks. 
to be the new chief judge. These are all people that appealed that that applied to be the new chief judge. She said, all right, I'm picking Rowan Wilson. And that now that that opens a spot for the Court of Appeals, I'm using the same list and picking Caitlin Halligan. Now, the reason that's such a flawed methodology, aside from the fact that it's totally unconstitutional, is we don't know who would have applied for that open Court of Appeals seat. You might have had a lot of very qualified lawyers, a lot of very qualified judges who might say, look, I don't want to be the chief judge, but I do want to be on the Court of Appeals. Now they never had the opportunity to apply. I mean, especially the Hispanic community, which doesn't have anybody representing them uh, in in statewide office or in the head of a legislative chamber or on the Court of Appeals. You could bet with the torpedoing of Hector LaSalle, there would have been a number of Hispanic attorneys in this state that Mm. would have at least applied to be uh, on the Court of Appeals. And now they're not going to have that opportunity. So it looks like the Senate Republicans and uh, maybe even some Democrats may go to court to force the governor to uh, begin that process again. We'll see where it goes. I've been bitching and complaining the last couple of days. 56. When did that happen? And I don't want to take away from this honor because it is a huge honor, Frank, but you are being honored tonight by the National Psoriasis Foundation. Uh, that's right. Yes, I will be at the New York Botanical Gardens. And uh, you're always very kind whenever I have uh, flakes on my shoulders to not point it out too overtly. But, yeah, I do have scalp psoriasis, and I've done a lot of volunteer work for them and uh, raised some money for them. So uh, for everybody that's coming out, um, I hope uh, I hope we have a great event. The big challenge is going to be limiting my remarks to only three to five minutes. When you're used to stretching out these 90-second stories to 15 minutes, limiting your remarks to three to five minutes uh, can be a struggle. But uh, looking forward to seeing a lot of folks there. I got to tell you, one of the things that I've enjoyed most about working here, I've told you this before on and off the air, is the friendship you and I have forged. I mean, I love you. I think you're a great guy. I think you're a tremendous talent. 12.5 rating, folks, 12.5. We are very lucky at this station to have you. I mean that. And I want to thank you so much for hopping on again today. You've been doing it on a weekly basis. There are always great appearances. Thank you, Frank Morano. And once again, congratulations on your ratings. Is that it? Sid, uh, congratulations to you. Happy birthday. Thank you. Happy, happy birthday. I feel the same way about you. I love you. There's no better radio professional in America than you are. And you make oh. the station you, and everybody that's on it a lot better because you're here. Oh, my God. Thank you. Well, that was really sweet. There he is, folks. Frank Morano, the tremendous host of The Side of Midnight. Thank you, Frank. That's a great hour, number one. We've got a lot more great stuff coming your way. Curtis Lee with Joseph Takapina. My mother, Naomi, it's her birthday today. We share a birthday. Peter King, a few surprises and more. Three hours still to come your way of this. Sitting friends in the morning on a birthday Wednesday. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sidney. I love you so much.
Pats, my dad, my late great dad, Harvey Rosenberg, singing me happy birthday was the last time he did it. April of 2020, he died two months later, but I still love him and miss him. And this is uh, the psychedelic verse, Heartbreak Beat, as we start hour number two. So great to hear from folks I don't hear from on a regular basis, including my beautiful niece, Jennifer, Jennifer Baker, Jennifer Blaustein. Great to hear from you, Jenny, and my dear, dear friend, Stephanie Perales down in Orlando, Stephanie and Ralph, two very special to me, my cousin Shannon, Shannon and Hanan Barbanel. So the messages keep coming in. But it is Wednesday morning at 10 after 7. We put this time aside as we do three times a week for the man, the icon, the legend, noon to one every weekday afternoon, all weekend long, and a great New Yorker, great American, Mr. Guardian Angel himself. The great Curtis Sleeboy. Let me salute your dad in heaven, Harvey, for two great things he did in his lifetime. A number one, by turning you into a man, by having you out there on the gridiron, American smash mouth football, not that fake, phony, fraudulent football, uh, soccer that they spell with a U, go, 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 and telling you, Sydney, you're going to run. You take the ball and run, Daddy, I don't want to run. Give Sydney the ball and then forced you to run for the goal line. They never did that at Poly Prep Day School. <laughs> you never played Smash Mouth football with your friends, Tacopina. You know what? I just brought this up. Tacopina's going to join me at 740. But I love the fact you brought this up because Curtis just proved that he read my most recent book, Citizens United. I not only read it, I was the only one promoting it morning, noon, and night in the streets, on video, <laughs> on television, on radio. And what do I get for that, Bubkiss? No, oh, no, no, I love you. And, and there is a story in the book how I ran the same football player. My dad was my coach at uh, Kings Bay Football. And while I'm on that, i got to make uh, one quick statement to my cousin and dear friend Scott Arbuse. Scott, uh, Scott's father, Alan Arbuse, was the coach at Midwood High School for a long time. He was like the PSL's greatest coach ever. Everybody knows Al Arbuse. Al died many years ago, but Scott's mother, Diane, died a couple of days ago. If I'm going to go pay Shiver Call uh, tomorrow night. So Scott Arbuse, Orchard Krell, I love you both very much. My dad was the coach of my Kings Bay football team, and even though I got clobbered two consecutive times running the same football play, and I started to cry. I was only a little boy. My dad made me run that play for the third consecutive time, and I broke it for a 63-yard touchdown. That's right. He turned you into a man. He turned you into a man. Before that, you were a little mama Luca. I don't want to run. I don't want to run. Get out there and be a man. Then, probably his greatest contribution, as he was holding your mother's hand, and, and she was breathing. <sighs> said, break water now. You don't want our son born on Hitler's birthday. <laughs> Naomi, break water now, please. It'll be a shunder if he's born on Hitler's birthday. Well, two things about that. You're right, because tomorrow, April the 20th, does happen to be Adolf Hitler's birthday. But even the bigger reason giving birth the day before was today is also my mom's birthday. She's going to join me at 8.05. So, yes. I'm born on my mother's birthday and the day before, to your point, Curtis, Hitler's birthday. Can you birthday. imagine a Jew born on Hitler's oh. birthday? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. You would have had to be going davening every day and making up for that. You would have been part of a minion every morning with the old Altachakis. But anyway, let me tell you something. You know, I am the Rodney Dangerfield here. I listened to your Barney talk the first hour. You know, you bent over, you went between your cheeks, and you kissed both your cheeks. I don't know. You were like Gumby early this morning. <laughs> and then you had on Frank Morano. Oh, my God, this guy. First of all, let's run it down. 
No. You mentioned a guy named Schwab, the program director. Craig Schwab, yes. Yeah, that who disgraziata. <laughs> he said, I don't want Sid here. Nothing. I, in fact, if, if Sid comes here, I'm leaving the job. I he, want Mike Lupica. He actually said he was going to leave the job? Well, I'm embellishing okay. a little bit. <laughs> he had the contract for Mike Lupica right on the desk of Chad Lopez, who marched in the door, repaged 29 and Citizens United, right? It was yours truly, Curtis Lee, who said, if you bring in Mike Lupica and not Sid Rosenberg and team him up with Bernard McGurk, you will destroy this station. And thank God Chad said, I am going to put my job on the line, which he did with all the cumulus executives who did not want you, Sid. That is all true. And how uh, dare not you just, mention that guy's Not just name. the cumulus executives, guys like Mike McVeigh and Milner and all these folks. They but hated you. Don Imus. Was right there. Oh, with he stabbed you in yes. the back over yes. and over. Yes, but over you, and over. You were the uh, there in that office as well as I must mention people like Pete Morgan, yes. Jill Vitale, Flirty yes. Flipper, yes, uh, obviously Bernard. So I thank you as yeah, I always have. Who went down to Hollywood, Florida? Who went yeah, to the hard? You? Who did an investigation <laughs> of you? Because Chad said, <laughs> while you're down there at the Guardian Angels National Convention. Could you sniff around about Sid Rosenberg? All I'm getting are these bad reports that yeah. he's the biggest degenerate on two legs. <laughs> and you know me. I went down there, and I sniffed even the linen in some of the rooms, and I came back and gave you an A-plus. Yes, you did. Without, without which, you would have still been down in Florida lining up for the Bluebird specials at 4 o'clock for trout. With all the old other altacockers. True. All you know, true. doctor all shopping true. down there. You would have been doctor shopping down there. Well, this is part of the reason why, above and beyond the obvious, which is every time you're on, it's a great segment. But I've also got this loyalty to you because all these things you're saying are actually true. So, yes, you're great on the air, but I am loyal because you did do these things no matter what. No matter how many people in this city hate you, want to kill you, want you off the show. You have a place here. Yeah, yeah. Forever. You want to kill me? Come get me, right? Come here. You know where <laughs> yeah. I am right now, right? All you guys who miss killing me before, you get another opportunity. But let me mention this: you bring on that Mama Luke from Staten Island, Frank Morano. Yeah. Oh my God, he was lip locking you. I, I, I said to myself, "What the hell is this?" And then you tell her, "Oh, you're the greatest overnight guy in the world." Are you aware I do two nights on the weekends and I beat Frank Morano? But you didn't mention that. Escort force, <laughs> John Katsimatidis, who is constantly saying, you know, Curtis beat you, uh, Frank, you know, on his two nights on the overnight. You didn't even mention that. Yesterday, before I came on to do three hours, substituting for Brian Kilme, right before you went off the air, did you say, my very dear friend, coming up next, substituting for Brian Kilme? No, I, I got, didn't. No, I got bupkis. <laughs> I got bupkis. And then you have Frank Morano on. Oh, and you know what? He just texted out, I, I left my Tupperware somewhere in the kitchen, you know, that Tupperware that he has, that putrid egg salad that he constantly puts out there that is giving people salmonella, E. coli, <laughs> flesh-eating virus. Oh, my God. This is the guy that you'll be stowing as the ratings leader? And then he's talking about Staten Island. Oh, they don't have candidates running against Democrats and Republicans. Oh, we should run an independent candidate. He knows I'm running an independent candidate on the North Shore Roof Salon with the tagline, Save Staten Island Streets. Did he mention it? No. Did he bring that up? No. Did he tell you that I'm going out there collecting signatures for this guy so that no. we can beat the cop-hater community? Well, I, I think the consensus is this person that you're out there uh, shilling for has zero chance of winning. I mean, zero, so.
Oh, wait a second. He doesn't oh, want to embarrass oh, oh, so, you. So yeah. we have no chance of winning. Zero chance. AOC, yeah. all out crazy, Alexandria <laughs> Ocasio-Cortez. You were talking about the Rangers. You were talking about the Knicks. On my way to the Ronald Reagan Club meeting, the Republican Club meeting in Astoria in the VFW Lodge last night. You know how many people showed up on a night when the Rangers and the Knicks were playing? 200 people. No, that's not true. Two, I'll send you the video wow. documentary. That evidence. is impressive. That's because impressive. we're out to get rid of AOC. We're out to get her, rid of her mini-me, Caban, who just want to remove the police, remove prisons. Well, now that you're talking about AOC, you know, I'm wondering if I'll get a text today at some point from the mayor. I have not been very nice to the mayor the last three weeks, and specifically the last week, which makes you very happy. But I'm wondering if Mayor Eric Adams will rise above that and send me a happy birthday text today. We'll see. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, so if all of a sudden he do, does that, you make up with him, right? Oh, 100%. Oh, you got to be kidding. What? He's just looking just What if he buys me a birthday dinner at Wolfgang's? Uh, hold on. <laughs> you came back from London. You saw the difference. Yes, yes. You started to rail Start on Start difference. Yes. Then you saw the other day he stood with Alvin Bragg. Jerry the Whale Nadler said, the city is so much safer because of the leadership of Eric Adams and Alvin Bragg. Oh, come on, I now. had to projectile vomit <laughs> at that moment and sit you want this guy wishing you happy birthday? Yes, I do. And you'll yeah. forgive yeah. and yeah. forget yeah. at yes. that moment? Yes, that's right. And yesterday, AOC tore him a new tuchus, but and wait he didn't a second, even respond. But AOC tore him a new tuchus. This is exactly where I was going because, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm under the impression that Eric Adams is actually giving the cops a nice-sized raise, and AOC is angry. If that's true, we're on Adams' side on this, no? Yeah, but he didn't comment. When he attacked, when she well, why attacked did, him. Why did he not come? Because he's not giving them a raise. Wait a second, he's giving them a raise. But you forget, reported exclusively by Curtis Lee two Saturday nights ago. Who was the invited guest at Gracie Mansion? It wasn't you, Sid Rosenberg, and Al your Sharpton. lovely wife, Naomi. Al Sharpton. Well, he has an easy pass, uh -oh. as you know. He can go in and out of Gracie uh, Mansion. Oh, it was, uh, let me take a guess, uh, Tiffany Caban. Uh, and AOC, all out crazy, no. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and they made a deal. They made a deal. And you know who told me? Some of the members of his police security detail said, Curtis, you're not going to believe this. You know who was invited to have dinner with Eric Adams at Gracie Mansion? AOC, all out crazy. And then she brought her mini-me, Kavan, the cop hater. And she wasn't expected. And AOC says, if I, if you don't let Kavan in, I don't come in. And guess who folded like a cheap camera? Eric Adams, and you're looking forward to him texting you happy birthday, Sid? Uh, oh, you'll, get, you'll throw it all under the bus simply because he strokes you like the peacock you well, are. Well, listen, listen, I'm not that shallow. I think you know me better than that. But, yes, if he does send me a text. Notice I'll... I didn't answer that, right? <laughs> when you asked me, am I that shallow? <laughs> Hell, yes, you are. You would drown in that shallow <laughs> No, pool. no, listen, I'm very, you know I'm very upset. You've heard me almost every day I'm railing on this and guy. And rightfully so. I know. I, I mean, know. this guy is on the full attack no. against everybody who may have thought he was a law and order mayor. Sit. Tell your, your friend Corey out there. I want him to come with me, Corey. Oh, things are getting better. No, no, Corey has said business-wise they're getting better, but he's the first to admit crime is still a big issue. In fact, 
much like you, where your beautiful wife Nancy was a constant on the streets just this last 57th week. 57th and 5th outside right. of Carnegie Hall. Well, how about this? Corey lives on the very posh Upper East Side in that same area. No, it Midtown. used to be very posh right. on the Upper East Side. And, and his beautiful wife Jessica went through the same thing Nancy went oh, through. Oh, so you know what? Hey, Corey, if you're listening out there, take your big pen and impale yourself. Not only did our beloved Knicks get destroyed in Cleveland... <laughs> But you're still, where are your coolions? Where's your manhood? Time for us to unite against these Democrats oh who are destroying our city. Join the Ronald Reagan Club in Astoria where we're taking out the socialists. Go to Reagan-Revolution.com. Reagan-Revolution.com. And we're going after every socialist in every neighborhood because they're not Democrats. Moderate Democrats, we're going to help you save your party. We don't want you to be Republicans. We're going to help you fight for what you know is right. And hopefully that mayor in his $5,000 customized suit that was better than anything that Pablo Escobar ever wore when he was leading the Medellin cartel will not text you happy birthday. And then all of a sudden, Sydney will say, oh, all is forgiven and forgotten because you stroked me. I'm not stroking you, Sydney. I'm not kissing your ass. I'm setting you straight on your birthday. Is Sid and friends in the morning? What'd you say? Be just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi. just told me that we just got a 7.6 in March. I know it's 12 plus. That's a demo we use. Leave me alone. And our competition, Len and Mike at WR, got a 2.1. That is a difference of 5.5. Now, Noam, you've been in this business for a very long time. I don't want to gloat because, again, people look down at 12 plus. But you're beating the competition, whatever demo it is, a 7.6 to a 2.1. That is the healthiest beating I think I've ever seen. No? Yes, no, I'm with you. Yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just pulling some sound. Yes, that's unbelievable. That is a uh, Duke Kim versus uh, Ray Mancini oh, fight right okay, there. Okay, okay. I, I, I <laughs> yeah, got what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. yeah, I see. You see what I did there, Lewis? Uh, yeah. You know, I Bill O'Reilly <laughs> just did his uh, morning message. I have to say this. So a couple of days ago, I went on uh, Facebook and Instagram, and I've been seeing this for years. I told you this story already. People, when they have a birthday, 
They go, don't give me a gift. Don't give me a gift. But what I want you to do is I want you to donate to my charity. So, of course, you guys are well aware that Danielle and I, inspired by our beautiful son, Gabriel, started the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia, which Gabriel's got, and DCD many years ago. And we started actually right before COVID. We had a wonderful event at Joel Booth's old store on Madison Avenue. And then the whole world shut down, basically. So we kind of got it going again last summer. And I asked people on Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney and Facebook, in lieu of gifts for me to donate to the charity. And a lot of you out there have already done it. I can't name you all by name on the air. I will thank you eventually when this thing is done. But I do have to say that Bill O'Reilly, who just did his morning update and will join me tomorrow as he does every Thursday at 840, and he is one of the major reasons I get these incredible ratings. He gave us a donation yesterday. I don't want to get um, I don't want to give the exact number away, but it was in the thousands, many thousands. And it wasn't that long ago, a couple years ago, that Bill O'Reilly put on this really big show at the Paramount Theater on Long Island. He packed the house, thousands of people. And at the time, my partner, Bernard, was still alive. I love you, Bernie. And he had me and Bernie on stage. You guys remember, it was a big, big night. Sunday night, Long Island, Paramount Theater, Bill O'Reilly with Bernie and Sid. And that night, he gave $10,000 to me and Bernie to the charity of our choice. So I want to thank Bill O'Reilly in advance of me on tomorrow for being so generous to me, Danielle, Gabriel, and Ava. And on my birthday... I want to send my sincerest gratitude to the great Bill O'Reilly. Bo Deedle checks in. Happy birthday, my son. I know your father and mother and family are so proud of you on your birthday with the great success that you've earned. Love you, Bo. And uh, Bo Deedle has just been a blessing, a blessing in my life. Mike Sullivan, Mr. Brennan Accord, he's checking in this morning. You know, I, I always said to Danielle, Danielle would complain. She'd go, we need more friends. You know, because to be honest, I don't really like going out for dinner with people. And I don't really like socializing. I I just don't, you know, not not a big thing for me. I was much happier last night, one hand down my pants, watching the Rangers play the Devils and the Knicks play the Cavs. Soiled sweatpants and all by myself eating candy, and I loved it. And given the chance, or the opportunity, I should say, to do that or go out with friends, I'd much rather be at home watching the game. But um, that doesn't mean I don't have some really, really great friends. I mean, beautiful friends. People like Bo and Mike Sullivan. I know you guys go out all the time. I don't know how you do it. (laughs) Bo's out almost every night. Rayo's on Thursday. That's just the beginning. I don't know how he does it. Sully is always out. i got Joe Murray. I've got... um, uh, Castellano from Western Beef. I'm here with Jackie Hunter. I'm here with my brother. I don't know how these guys do it. I have no desire to do that. But I've got a ton of great friends, and I love you all. And on a day like today, it becomes even more obvious how lucky I really am. So, Although, Lou, we do owe uh, you guys a dinner. MJ, your beautiful fiancé just sent me a nice message. You're out every night. No, I'm really not. Okay. I used to be. Like it. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, if I get invited to a Nick or a Ranger game, yes. But you don't see me and Danielle going out for dinner with friends all the time. We just don't do it. First of all, Danielle works long hours. And she's all the way out in uh, in Long Island, in uh, 
Garden City. So it's asking a lot for her to come home and do all that. And we're just tired, you know. I mean, we're tired. <laughs> I'm up at 3.30 every morning. She's up at 4.30. So anyway, thank you to all you folks out there. My sister. I've got three beautiful sisters, Ray Sherry. She lives on uh, Avenue U, uh, Mill Basin, Mill Basin in Brooklyn. My sister, Elizabeth, she lives in Parkland, Florida. My oldest sister, Alana, Alana and Harry. Alana checks in. Happy birthday, Sydney. Wishing you many more healthy, happy birthdays. Thank you, Alana. I love you. Entertaining and informative. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Brought in now by Tarasenko. Dawson Mercer checked in. Chance for Miller. Tarasenko scores! Vladimir Tarasenko with a beauty. He looks for a shooting lane. Goes to Fox. He scores! Yeah, so before the Ranger game started last night, I got involved in a three-way chat with Pete Morgan and the world's best defense attorney, President Trump's attorney, my dear friend of 43 years, Joseph Takapina. Both have season tickets for the Rangers. I imagine both will be there game three when the series gets out of New Jersey after tomorrow goes back to New York on Saturday. Nice little montage there put together by Justin Ellick, Sam Rosen, MSG, and the final call from my dear friend Kenny Albert on TBS, the Rangers. All over the Devils, 5-1 to one in a Game 1 win. Joe Tacopina celebrated a birthday on Friday. Since I'm little, I remember he has the same birthday as Pete Rose, both April the 14th. And he went to London this weekend where I was the week before. Such similar lives. And his daughter, his beautiful daughter, was about to give birth to his first grandchild. So it's been a crazy couple of weeks for Joseph, even dating back to those two days in New York and the Donald Trump arraignment. Here he is, my dear friend Joseph Takapina. How about them Rangers? Happy birthday, brother. Thank Happy you. Birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, my boy. Um, yeah, that was nice, man. That was, you know, it was like a, you know, Pete said in the message, uh, the, the chat that we had there, they have to keep their foot on their throat, and that's exactly what they did. It wasn't a 2-1 win or a 3-1 win, which would have been fine. You know, playoff hockey is the best, to me, the best sporting event in the world. Um, but when you have a, a thrashing like that, that sort of a message game. Boy, that was a message game, and, and that was beautiful. And Shashirkin, I mean, that's why he's the best goalie in the world. I mean, it, what you saw last night was was unparalleled anywhere else in the NHL. Now, he made some unbelievable saves, and again, almost every line is an all-star, and bringing in guys like Tarasenko and Kane, so big for the Rangers. But more importantly, I started the conversation by saying you went to London where I was two weeks ago last weekend, anticipating the birth of your first grandchild. What happened there? And I'm still anticipating the birth of my first grandchild. Um, you know, I'm back in New York because I have uh, the Trump trial starting on Tuesday in federal court, so I, I was you know, I'm not going to be able to see it. I mean, you look, here's the one thing. You know this is my grandchild because he's late. And, and <laughs> so at least, at least there's, there's DNA confirmation there. But, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's, 
it's crazy. I mean, she's more was supposed to give birth on the 12th and then maybe the 17th and I had to leave on the 18th and, and that was it. So, you know, it's, uh, we're still waiting. I'm going to miss it. Yeah. yeah I'm still waiting. I'm going to miss it. But, uh, you know, Tish is there holding down the fort with her and, oh, good. and, uh, you know, she's, she's, she's happy. She's oh, that's awesome. I know your wife was there. So let's get to what you just mentioned. You were originally were hired by Donald Trump to represent him in this really ridiculous, like 60-year-old rape allegation in a dressing room in Bergdorf Goodman. This lady's out of her mind. And then, of course, he became part of that dream team when he was arraigned here in New York by the DA Alvin Bragg. But this case was really your case from the very beginning. You said you're back in town. I know that you guys tried to um, move this case to a later date, and I believe the judge said just uh, recently that he wasn't going to do that. So what is the latest with one of these six cases out there right now against President Donald Trump. I was starting trial on Tuesday. I said there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I mean, we made some motions for a uh, for a continuance based on some things. Um, one being, of course, a cooling off period, which the law permits for after the indictment. I mean, obviously, the indictment wasn't planned by us and expected, and it happened smack dab, you know, a few weeks before this trial was supposed to start. But you know, the judge said, "Look, this is there's going to be publicity uh, from here at Kingdom Come." On that case, and then it's not going to affect our jury selection. Uh, let's see. Um, but so he denied. He denied the the motion for an adjournment. Then we're going to start. Look, we're going to start the trial on Tuesday. I'm going to do what I do, and uh, we'll see where we go here. You know, it's all about. You know, everyone's convinced that in New York, Donald Trump can have a fair trial. Um, you know, jurors are so biased against him in New York County, and. Uh, I guess that will remain to be seen because we get the fair trial. I'm pretty yeah. confident in how this how this goes. My money's on you, Joseph. Uh, the great defense attorney, Joseph Takapina, joining me on this special birthday. My mother, who loves Joseph, every time she comes on, she talks oh, about Joseph. It was birthday, too. Yes. She's coming up next. She's coming up at 8.05, and both my mom and dad loved you and love you uh, so very much. So a couple of days ago, Jim Jordan had this big hearing here in New York. You know that. And a bunch of New Yorkers, Mr. Eric Adams, New Yorkers spoke. People like my friend Jennifer Harrison, who, of course, uh, started the advocacy group Victims New York Rights, Victims Rights New York. People like uh, Jose Alba, the bodega owner. And this uh, lady who I, I got to meet on uh, Tuesday night and also came on my show Tuesday morning, who I really, really liked, Madeline Brain, and her son oh was God. murdered. And she is in the New York Post yelling and screaming that Democrats, instead of marching to the drumbeat of trying to convict bad guys and keep them off the streets, all they talk about is Trump and guns. Her son was murdered, Joseph. How gross was the display by the Democrats on Tuesday when all Jim Jordan did was really allow people who went through horrific tragedies' voices to be heard. It was disgusting. I mean, one of the actual, I think it was, it was uh, Rep. Goldman or something, actually said this is a waste of time this hearing, with the lady sitting right there who lost her son. Uh, look, if you walk around the streets of, of Manhattan, you know it doesn't feel the same. So it doesn't feel the same as it did, nope. you know, 10 years ago. Um, even five years ago, it feels like the, the wilding. I mean, it really does. It's not. It's not the same safe place it was. Violent crime is 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 out there. I mean, this kid who was killed was a U.S. Army vet, okay, and he was jumped and beat to death, okay, by by four brothers in Harlem, okay, and and D.A. Bragg cut deals with with three of them last year. Um, you know, it's it's it's. It seems like, you know, it's there's not a real 
Look, Donald Trump, I mean, they'll put the weight of the world on that prosecution of a case that's not even legally a case, um, a civil settlement, legal civil settlement, you know, the, 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 that there really had no – there's absolutely no underlying crime. There was no federal election campaign law violations, and we don't have to get into that now. But, but violent crime, serious crime, quality of life crime. I mean, do you know how many Dwayne Reeds and Walgreens are closing down in New York City? Because, I mean, if I owned that store, I'd, be, I'd leave New York City tomorrow. I'd be yeah. in Florida. Because you could walk in there, grab a case of beer, don't run out. You just walk out. Walk out. I was, yeah. in, there, I was yeah. in there a month ago, Sid. Some dude went in, grabbed a case of beer. I'm at the counter paying. You know, which you know is optional these days, but I <laughs> and 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 you know, some dude grabbed a case of beer, was walking out, waved at the cashier. Oh my god! And just walked out like right. with a smile. And by the way, even cashier. if they're not if they're not even robbing something for for people like you and I, law abiding citizens, I can't go there anymore because if I just want to buy toothpaste and shampoo and deodorant, you know, you're going to spend at least thirty minutes because everything is locked up. It's locked up. Yep, everything's locked up, and it's really it, it is. It is just so crazy, this world we live in. And, you know, quality of life crime is important. And then, you know, he's downgraded. Bragg's office has downgraded, like, a large portion of, of, of felonies to misdemeanors. He's honestly did the opposite with Donald Trump. I keep going back to Donald Trump because, again, it's the rule of law that really is what keeps me going every single day. Yep. And when I see it being abused and, and being stretched and bent and contorted to get it one individual yet not be applied equally to others, it absolutely drives me crazy, and that's something that's happening now, and it's clear. So these hearings by Jim Jordan are important because the House Judiciary hearings are, are want to know what is happening with the prosecution of these cases. Prosecutors are, should not be driven by political agendas or political supporters or, you know— Prosecutors and the justice system is always and was always supposed to be independent, standing alone. You prosecute the crimes if they're there, whether it's a, a Republican, a Democrat, whether, you know, the left and the woke don't want, you know, quality of life crimes prosecuted because these people are underprivileged or not. They're crimes. And to keep a city – look, in my opinion, San Francisco is the most beautiful, aesthetically beautiful city in the United States of America. Hard to argue. I wouldn't live in San Francisco if they paid me. I know. <laughs> I know. Listen, L.A.'s pretty, Which too. I know. L.A.'s pretty, too. But it's a, it's, it's a mess. In fact, New York, the one thing Mayor Eric Adams can probably beat his chest to is we're not as bad as San Francisco and Los Angeles. Congratulations. But you mentioned Donald Trump. And over the last couple of weeks since um, you've become kind of the face for his team, and he's got other great attorneys. You know that, right? Uh, Todd and Necklace and these other yeah. folks. But you become the face Todd for Trump. And necklace. Yeah, they're all great. So, you know, the USA Today did a whole story on you, the New York Post. You've done every TV show now uh, that's ever been created in America. But uh, yesterday it, it continued. The Washington Post, this is a great picture of you, by the way, in front of the Capitol. And it reads, Joe Tacopina is pretty sure he can get Trump out of this. And we know in the past the New York Times and the Washington Post not exactly kind to folks that are involved, just involved with anybody on the right, even a defense attorney. But this was a pretty nice piece. Um, shockingly, uh, it really was a great. It really was a great piece. But fair piece. had some fun in it. it. Had a little cheeky, you know. Like mentioned the yeah. fact that my jeans look yes. saran wrapped around my thighs. Yeah. But you know, what happens when you have monster thighs? I can't help <laughs> it. But, um, <laughs> but it was it was it was unbelievably flattering, and it went through. It was just it was factual. Um, and and basically, you know, I said how I feel. 
Um, you know, I wasn't trying to give myself a pat on the back, but the re- the reporter did a really good job speaking to people that I didn't even know she had spoken to over the years, former federal prosecutors who I had cases against and others, and they wrote a really uh, – my son Chris said he thought it was the best piece they'd ever written about me. I don't know about that, but it was certainly a terrific piece, and, and the, I, I, I applaud the, the Washington Post because, look, they made it clear they are no fans of Donald Trump. And when, when they told me they were writing a profile on me, I was like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Buckle the seatbelt. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. This is, you know, this is, this is smear by extension. Yeah. And they're going to, you know, but uh, it, was, it was surprisingly nice. It was good. And, and, I read it. Yeah. It was a nice piece. Yeah. Uh, you know, Trump had to come in twice over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, the, the arraignment with you uh, after the Bragg story. And then he came yeah. back to see Letitia James last week. Now, I'm under the impression... For your trial, which starts next week, the president will not be here. Is that right? You know, so this is a decision we have to make. Um, look, here it is. It's a civil case. It's not a criminal case. He has no obligation to be there. And think of this. The allegation is simply this. And I don't want to talk about the case publicly because we have a trial, and I respect Judge Kaplan. The rules of federal court are, 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 are you know, very clear. Um, about pretrial publicity, but as far as having him there or not having him, he wants to be there. Um, I will tell you that that Tuesday, you know, three weeks ago, was the craziest Tuesday I've ever had in my life. The, the Secret Service entourage. I mean, there had to be 14, 15 members of Secret Service just getting us around. Um, you know, the FDR Drive was shut down. Yeah. Um, three blocks from the courthouse shut down. I mean, it paralyzed the city a little bit. Oh, listen, I, I was you trying to get the, I was trying to get to Kennedy Airport that day. That was the day, Joe. You remember, I was going to visit Ava in London. Yeah. It took us two and a half hours. Yeah, it's 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 so to think we're going to have to do that for you know two weeks straight um, is Oof. difficult, and and I, I have to make a decision on, on, on what we're going to do. He wants to be there, obviously, but look, you know, as far as is him having to be there, he doesn't have doesn't to have to be here, um, right? So yeah, and, and, and and it's, it's, it's a case where he's saying I didn't do it, he's right? That's saying, it. Oh, I did it, but let me explain why <laughs> yeah, it happened right. this way or right. it was consensual. No, he's like I didn't do it. So how do you prove a negative? He, he says no, I didn't do it. There's nothing for him to answer this case. It's whether this story is believable. So let me go back to the the break thing one more time. And again, I'm, I'm so glad you're here this morning. Happy birthday to you. Joseph's birthday was on Friday. Me and my mom today. Um, as far as I know, not due back in court for this Bragg case until December. I'm under the impression now you guys looking at the evidence. Uh, maybe we're close or not that close. You start, you're going to start to file some motions, motions of dismissal. Is that where we are basically in the Bragg arraignment from three weeks ago? Yeah, we're not really anywhere. We're still working out the whether or not we can agree to a protective order, which is basically how you, you know, how you you receive the evidence and and, and make sort of commitments not to make sure it's given to third parties or looked at by others. Um, what we're still working out some details on that. Um, whether that's going to be agreed to or not, we'll see. Um, but once we get that, we will obviously, you know, review it ferociously and and in and, and grave detail, and then we'll decide what motions we're going to make. Of course, motions to dismiss are coming. I'm telling you that right now. Um, there's no fact about. There's no question about that um, on various grounds: prosecutorial misconduct, selective prosecution, legal insufficiency, to name three, off the top of my head. <laughs> and then there'll be a motion to re- recuse the judge as well. That's something that we're we're going through, and uh, you know. But there's there's plenty of motions to be made. A lot of work to do. Look, like you said, we're not back in court till December. Um, you know, we have to go through the facts, and we know the facts. I, I, mean, I just don't know how they're going to fit that square peg into a round hole. But right. uh, you know, we'll see. I think I swear to you, I think part of it was just getting the indictment for them. I think it was just more important to get the indictment, be the first symbolic, indict, you know, right. symbolic, yeah. and and the case is going to stand up. And that's that's the selective prosecution, prosecutorial misconduct 
element that we'll be looking at. I think you're right. I think for Alvin Bragg, it was more symbolic. He knows he's got nothing here, but at least he can say, hey, I indicted the former president, and who knows what that means for him politically moving forward. But You got it. More importantly, you're going to the Ranger game on Saturday night, yes or no? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the first home playoff game. Hold on. Me? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm ready to go with this draw. We'll be fine. I'm are you taking happy. Matt? You're taking your son, Matt? Who's going Matt, with you? I think Matt's going to go. I think Matt's going to go. He's yeah. an avid. He's, a, he's, he's awesome. an avid of a great fan. Yeah. I am. So he's, he's awesome. Uh, yeah. He's so excited. Well, I'm glad you're back. Uh, you had a nice trip in London, and, and I look forward to the birth of your grandchild with your beautiful wife, Tisha, out there, and wishing you a happy birthday again. Every time you're on, Joe, it's a big, big deal. So thank you on this uh, special birthday for being here. I love you. And I'll talk to you and see you again very, very soon. Thank you, Joseph Tacopino. Happy birthday, brother. Love you a lot. I love you too. Thank you. There he is. Most famous and best defense attorney anywhere in the country. You know how I know? (laughs) Just ask President Trump. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sydney. I love you so much. Good morning yesterday. You wake up and time has slipped away. And suddenly it's hard to find. The memories you left behind Remember Do you remember The laughter and the tears The shadows of misty yesteryears The good times and the bad you've seen And all the others in between Remember That's my dad. The last time he sang me happy birthday three years ago today, before we lost him in July of 2020. And I play that every year. And I will play that every year until I'm no longer here on the radio. But the uh, my dad's uh, better half, some say, my mom, who has become a cult hero, a star on this radio show, it's really her birthday today, and uh, 56 years ago today, I was my mother's birthday present. We do share a birthday today, so it's only fitting that uh, she comes on today, even though every time she comes on, people love it. So here she is celebrating her birthday today, my mom, Naomi Rosenberg. Happy birthday, Mom. Good morning, Sydney. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday on to this you. Day, on this day, Sydney Ferris, on this day, I received a 6.4 huge diamond. <laughs> that was Daddy's gift to me, and it was the birth of you, Sydney Ferris. That was my big diamond for this day forever. There is nothing that will ever, ever be as important as you, my diamond, my son. Thank you. I didn't realize I was uh, was actually kind of small, Mom, though, 6.4, not very big. No, you were a little guy. You were 19 inches long. You weren't short. You were tall. You were not 
and then you were born, and then you learned, then you got to be a chunkalunka. As you grew up to be a little baby after an infant, you got to be a chunky kid. Yeah, it's, it's similar to what's going on with your grandson, my son Gabriel, where me and Gabriel are both kind of chubby kids, and then yeah. for a variety of reasons, including my asthma, I was very, very, very thin. Gabe is even skinnier than I was. So yeah, uh, yeah. me and Gabe are very similar in that respect, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. He's got he's got daddy's height. Yeah. But he's, he's skinny like you were. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah. So. I know that daddy, you know, you had two girls before me, obviously. I've already heard from Alana this morning, my oldest sister, your daughter, and Ray Sherry, uh, who I will hear from, I'm sure, shortly. So I know that uh, daddy and you wanted a son. Daddy especially was such a big sports fan and such a uh, such a guy's guy. So uh, I don't want to place any more importance on my birth than my sisters. They already think I'm the favorite, which is ridiculous. But uh, Daddy really wanted a son. Well, so you were a favorite because you were my only son. So you <laughs> were my favorite son. Oh, okay. There you go. I'm your favorite son. Uh, I know that was a big deal for Daddy, too, to, uh, to have a little boy. Oh, my God. You know, Sydney, for more reasons than one. First of all, uh, you were the only one to carry on the Rosenberg name because – his his cousin, Norm, which he regarded as a brother, they legally changed their name. So they were no more Rosenbergs. So the only one to carry on the Rosenberg name for your grandfather, Maya, was uh, was you. And it was very important to Daddy. You know, he was very, like, he was into that whole thing. So it was just more than just having you as a sports person, but also to carry on his name. And you are the only wrote. Well, now we got Gabriel, so we got another Rosenberg. Thank God. I remember yeah. actually you know, when, when Daddy felt very, very sick, and I mean years before he actually passed away, Mom. And uh, we drove, if you remember, up from Florida, from North Carolina. Danielle actually did the driving because I was way too upset. And uh, we got to the hospital, and Daddy was in a coma, and, and he, you know, he came out of it. I don't know how he did, but he did uh, days later. And the first thing he said was. Uh, I looked at Gabriel, and he said, Gabriel was a little boy. He was a baby at the time. And he said, I had to come back and see you because you're the last Rosenberg. That was important. That's right. Yeah. That was important to uh, to Daddy. You know, and uh, Curtis brought up the uh, the part in the book before where, you know, Daddy kept running that same football play over and over again. I'd be like, Mom, he's going to kill you, and you don't want me to play football as it was. Yeah, and I scored a touchdown on that play, but – you, you really didn't want me to play football, did you? You were, you were kind of Oh, again, my God. Yeah. I, we were fighting all the time, not about <laughs> anything but that, because it was the worst blizzards, the worst bit of cold, the worst snow and ice, and he had you out there on that field no matter what I said. No matter what I said, you were going to play football against everything because I was always afraid because of your asthma. Right. So I was always so afraid. See, people, I tell people about the asthma stuff, Ma, and they don't understand because today, of course, I'm muscular and strapping and gorgeous. But uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I was a very sick little boy for a long time, and, and you could actually uh, give all the details. But I was so sick that medication didn't even work. I mean, it had me on Theodore every day, but I would have these asthma attacks as a little, little boy, and they were so bad that the only way to treat it was to take me directly to the emergency room, hook me up with an IV, and give me adrenaline just to uh, to get it going because I just couldn't breathe. I mean, I remember taking tests one time. They put me in, in like, this little room, Mom. They cut off the air to see how long it would take for me to turn blue. It was, it, it was a, a loose site. 
looked like a little closet. It was it was like where they used to do like a a thing for people. And anyhow, you were in this lucite lawn, looked like a little closet, and there were all kinds of uh, pipes coming out of it that you were hooked up to, and they wanted to see how long it would take after you couldn't breathe for brain damage, and they told that. Well, what happened, what happened if, they, if they messed up and actually had brain damage? I mean, maybe they do have brain damage no, now. No, 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 right. no, no. They were talking, really, you were out, You would be yeah. out of it. You would be brain dead and brain damage. And how, anyway, how, old, how old was I when I went through these tests? Well, you started, I, we started with you in Manhattan when you were three. Three. Because you couldn't even hold food, and you would be like, you would be regurgitating all the right. time on the way to school to... Yeah. So the yeshiva. No, I know. I missed. Days. I missed a lot of school time back then. I think if I'm right, mom, I had my first asthma attack at five weeks old. Is that right? Yes, you were five weeks old. You turned blue, and you you weren't breathing at all. We got you back, but you were you were in terrible shape. And from that day on, until you were a big boy, you were like until you started with your nonsense. I think that cured you. Your nonsense. You mean the drugs and the drinking? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, you know, you know, you call it nonsense. The doctor said uh, this kid should never smoke a cigarette, never do drugs, never drink. And no, I decided, and I just, well, I decided, Mom, to do all of it. And I think you're right. I think I actually cured myself. <laughs> I think you did too. You burnt it out. <laughs> no, but on a serious note, that was a difficult time too because when Danielle and I first got married, this was this was the worst day of my life. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, Danielle was graduating Brooklyn College, and Nana was there, God rest her soul, and Daddy. And, uh, in fact, Hillary Clinton was the uh, the speaker that day. It was, it was 1995. We'd been married for three years. And I had to leave Danielle that day at Brooklyn College because you and Daddy picked me up to drive me to a horrible place, mind you, Warnersville, Pennsylvania, by Reading, for my first of two rehab stints. And it was tough. And I remember you and Daddy coming up there, and they had these, like, on the weekends, they had the mom and dad family time and, you know, the three of us going on and on about different stories. And it was a difficult time. I mean, I, you know, thank God uh, I've got a beautiful wife and a beautiful family. And you were you were really the, the backbone then because Daddy really couldn't handle a lot of that stuff. You were the one Sydney, who got I me at the college. I never missed one time, no matter where you were. Yeah. I never missed one time. And no matter where we spoke about this, I went to every church, every every. You name it, I never missed one time. Daddy couldn't handle it. Yeah. You're right. Daddy yeah. could not handle it. And one of the reasons why I really graduated college, which I eventually did the same year I got married, uh, I didn't love the college uh, experience so much. That's not why it took me uh, four, uh, four schools in eight years. I just couldn't get through it because I was too busy, as you would say, with the nonsense. But you were the one who got me into Kingsborough Community College, that um, restart program after Miami and Brooklyn College. And... That enabled me to finally get to Baruch and graduate college. You did that work, too. That was a big deal. And even getting you into, uh, you know, college, because you blamed Norman June. You blamed Duna. <laughs> he was the reason why you got in trouble. It was his fault. It was never his fault. You made up such a story that, that Daddy and I were getting divorced. I don't I remember that. Don't remember that. I don't remember that, no. no. Oh, my God. You wrote a letter. We were getting, and that's why you... <laughs> That's why you didn't go to school, and that's why you. <laughs> you I mean, you made up things that. Yeah. I mean, you were a genius to make these things. <laughs> yeah, oh, come on. 
You know, uh, and uh, with all those things, oh, mom, and and, uh, and all those difficult times, one of the things I always tell people is, is at least when daddy died three years ago, he had a chance, see me get back to New York, see me succeed. Bernie and I were starting to do well at the time. And there was a long period, for me, a long period is a couple of years, there was a long period of basically no, as you would say, nonsense. So uh, for what it's worth on this, as we share this birthday together today, me, uh, you and me, Mom, uh, the fact that when Daddy died, he saw me good, that always meant a lot to me. At least at least we have, it's a very hard day for both of us, for all of us. But you know what, Sydney? At least one hopes that we don't know. Nobody ever came back to tell us, so we don't really know what happens once we upon our demise but with that said at least he had the peace before he left our world that he saw you in this position that you were all together you were successful danielle and the children were happy with you and safe at least he was afforded that which not everybody is all the time. Yeah. So we have to be thankful for that. We'll yeah. always be thankful yes. for that. And as difficult as this day is for me, it's still, look, I still have Danielle, and I've got the kids, and I've got a exactly. ton of friends and everybody, but you are without Daddy. Uh, this is now your third birthday without him. Um, yeah. I hope that you're going to be with Ray Sherry or Albert or somebody. Today. I'm not, not. You know what? Ray Sherry and Albert are back in Brooklyn. So are you are you here. alone in Florida right now, all alone? And Alana is here. Oh, Alana. And okay. Elizabeth is here, but right. um, they want to take me to dinner, but I can't go. I can't. I can't do it. Oh, you I should can't. do it, Mom. It's your birthday. I can't. I can't. Do Mom, it. don't forget you had you had birthdays before you met Daddy too. Don't forget, just just a reminder. You didn't. You no, know. but it's no. But he was my life, Sydney. You yeah. know that he yeah. was the reason for me living. He was my life. He yeah. was everything. He really was everything. So why don't you go for dinner with Lizzie and Alana and talk about Daddy? I mean, I can't, I I can't have you sitting home on your birthday and watching Sean Hannity, Mom. My God, enough of Sean Hannity. Jeez. I have to, I have to have this time to reflect and just think about Daddy. I have his picture here with me. I'm leaving here um, the day of the, I'm flying home with Elizabeth and Michael. Good. On the 30th, another Good. week and a half. It's like murder. Sydney, I want to be home. I want to go home. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I have to still wait like another week and change, and that's right. killing me. I want to be out of here already. No, I want to sure. I mean, the weather's getting nice here in New York. you got the house upstate. The summer's coming yeah, up. I want to go home. It's yeah. my house and, and, and by the way, we, we, we want to go home, too. We've been living in hotels and apartments oh, for months. But the good news is the house is, uh, I think it's it's a pretty good shot that we'll be home on the beach Memorial Day weekend. And I know you're upstate and, you know, your daughters are up there, all three of them, and your friends and, and your nieces and all that stuff. I don't we, have friends up there, Sydney. Oh, good, because they're, the they're, they're, they're horrible people. <laughs> I do not. I really don't bother with anybody up there. Good. They're horrible people. I have people. candy down the street, and I have marrow. Well, well they're, they're your nieces. Only... They're related to you, so that's different. But I would hope you'll find at least one weekend. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure we get you back and forth to come spend a weekend on the beach with me, Danielle, and the kids. I hope. No, I do want to do that. Okay, I good. absolutely do, because yeah. I don't bother with anyone. The only one I have any interaction with are the Spivaks right next door. Yeah. Other than them, Sydney Ferris, I do not bother with anybody up there. Yeah. I'm not on their page. 
I'm not, I'm not, um, I don't appreciate their ideology. So I don't really bother. Well, Ma, all you got to do, if you put a sign on your front lawn right in front of your Donald Trump poster that says racism doesn't live here. I'm going to get a bigger one now. (laughs) I can't wait to go home to really, I'm going to splash my whole house with Donald Trump. I can't wait, Sidney. I absolutely cannot wait. Do you know that last summer, we'll wrap this up with this, Danielle and I were leaving. You know, we come to visit you every year. We may even come July 4th this year. We're trying to figure that out, but we may come this year. So we're leaving, and uh, at my She's book signing. Because they're going to have some, some. I mean, you have to come see Sydney's house. Your home is to die for. Okay. And now, now they're redoing Well, you mean it. Lizzie's you house. You mean Lizzie's house. Right. So uh, so we go to Benny and uh, Jake's for the book signing, and some, some listener shows up and gives you this life-size, even bigger than life-size, covered the whole front of the house poster of Donald Trump. I had it up there. Right. You hang it up. So Danielle and I are leaving, heading our way back uh, to New York, and we see, like, there's a couple. I think they were, like, Orthodox. They were, like, Jews. And they actually gave the middle finger to the sign in the front of your house. And I was going to tell you, but my fear was you're going to run outside and beat them up, even at 87 years old. <laughs> yeah, but I, I didn't even see that. I didn't see that. But I kept it up to the bitter end. Then we had a bad storm, and it got torn to pieces. So yeah. I, I couldn't leave it up anymore. But my sign is still there, and now I'm going to get a bigger one. Beautiful. This, this is not big enough. Donald Trump, Donald Trump 2024. I'm sweating it out, Sydney. I'm sweating it out. And I hope that my other boy, my other boy, Pat, that that he gets him off, that he really gets him to where he gets in again, that he's in the White House, that we get out of this creature, get him out of there, and get Trump back in there. We need him desperately. It's going to happen. That's your birthday present, Mom. So, listen, I love you. You are my birthday present. Oh, thank you. My birthday present. That's. I don't want more than that. That's Thank enough you. for me. No. But I want Donald, our president, Donald, to get in there. It, we got to do something. We got to get out there somehow to get him in there and get rid of the creature. Get rid of this creature out of the White House who's killing our. I mean, I got a list of things you can, you can't make it up, Sydney. I know, I know. I mean, but we're out of time, here. Yeah, sorry. The amount of people that are like you have to go. Need to do this deal, but. We have to go. It's commercials and stuff. we got to pay for the show, Ma. Okay. Go ahead. I love you. Happy, (laughs) happy birthday. Love and kisses to Danielle and Gabriel. And when you speak to my Ava, my gorgeous child, my gorgeous Ava, and we'll talk again. Happy birthday to you. I love you so much. This was a great conversation. I'll bring you back next week. We can talk about Trump and and all that stuff, which is important. Okay. But uh, today was a wonderful conversation, and you're the best, Mom, and I love you, and Try to find time today, even though I know you're sad about Daddy, so am I. Try to find some time today to reflect on the great memories you had with Daddy, what a great I mom will. you've been to uh, to all four of your children, and how much we all love you, Mom. So, happy birthday. Thank right, you, kid? my son. Thank you. All God right. watch you. All Be right, safe. Mom. Take care. Bye-bye. Love you. That's why you may collect the dreams you dream today. Remember, will you remember the time? of your life. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
you knew you were getting some Bruce Springsteen on my birthday. Thank you, Lewis, uh, for that. Messages keep coming in. My buddy Rocco, Joe and Joe Restaurant up there in Pearl River. Lauren Conlin, Joe Esposito, former chief of police. Cheryl Klein, my beautiful sister, Ray Sherry. Frank Colley, my man Frank Colley. Haven't seen him in years. Heshi Organbaum. Michael Henry, who I saw Tuesday night, who just recently ran against that um, horrible person, Letitia James, for Attorney General Charlie Marino. Mark Healy, who actually is in charge of the wave there in um, in uh, by us in Rockaway. Rockaway. Yeah, he's a great guy, Mark Healy. Joseph Abu, Chad Lopez. Everybody are checking in this morning. Uh, thank you very much. That was um, emotional for my mom. It's hard for her. It's hard for me, too. I miss my dad. You know. I always tell you, uh, I miss him every day at about 10.02 because forever, every day that my show ended, the first text I always got was from my father. And uh, he lied quite a bit because he would always say, what a great show. And I'd say, Dad, they, they can't be great every day. Uh, he was onto something. They actually are great every day. But back then I wasn't as good as I am now. <laughs> And I would say, Dad, you're biased. You, you, you love me. You go, I, I do love you, yes, but your show's great. He used to say that he loved Imus. He loved Imus, but he never thought Imus had any heart. He never thought Imus had real compassion. Yeah, Imus had the charities and all that and raised money for kids with cancer, but he never thought Imus really had any real heart. And he would say, you're Imus, but you've got a heart. And he would text me every day. And I remember after he died, that, that first Monday back, you know, we – Went upstate, had the funeral, then we went to we went to um, Rhode Island, spent a couple of days in Newport. Bernard um, did such a great job filling in for me when I was gone. And I got back that Monday morning, and I did the show, and there was no text at 10 out 2, and I was like, wow. You know, there's a finality about that that is just unbelievable. My, my wife, Danielle, says this all the time. My father lived for 87 years. I mean, he was... He was an integral part of so many lives, not just me, Ray Sherry, Alain, and Lizzie, and Naomi, but, you know, he had friends and people who worked for him. And and then one day, it's just over, man. It's just over. It's it's crazy. You know, you live this life, you do so much stuff, good or bad, and one day, it's just over. And I think about it sometimes, and that's why I, you know, I've mentioned Bernard. Is it fair to say, guys, that I pretty much mention Bernard every day? In some fashion, some of you give me a hard time. Oh, you keep saying the show is great without him. Uh, fine. That's true. The show was great without him. The show was great with him. doesn't matter. He was one of the finest human beings I ever met. Have I not mentioned Bernard just about every day? Every about day. About every day, yes. About every day. Yeah. My father, I continue to mention. Nana, my wife's uh, grandmother, who was really my mother-in-law. Because I remember when Nana was dying, the, the, the la- one of the last things she said was, Don't forget me, especially my kids. Make sure they don't forget me. And we haven't. No blade. What do you got today, big guy? Well, it's the big birthday, uh, 56, uh, LT, the big number, Lawrence Taylor, of course, 56. And, you know, I'm sure you'll remember, because we've known each other for so many years, that I've been a longtime member of a 70s cover band. You know that on the weekends, right? I do um, cover songs of 70s. Hold on a second. Yeah. We have been friends a very long time. Yeah. And um, you have a son, Gabriel, like I've got. I do. You're bald and Jewish like I am. I am. 
You're talented like I am. Well, I don't know about that, but yeah. And you're a very good soul. I knew nothing about this musical. Yeah, well, uh, here, I'll give you a little sample. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. What? Yeah, the, I, I'm not a singer. I, I, you know, I'm just in the band, but... Trying to yeah. forget. So last night, we were... By the way, I love this song. Oh, so you're actually you. playing in the band? I played the recorder, yeah. The recorder? That's that uh, stupid flute thing they play in the third mm-hmm. grade? I never advanced. <laughs> <laughs> this is not true. This cannot be true. Wait a second. I, so I, I do not believe this no, is right true. Now. So last night I was. <laughs> no, no, come on. There's no way. Grown men do not play the recorder. Nobody no. plays the recorder. I played it in third grade and Polly Prep, Mr. Feldman, made me play it. <laughs> I can't believe it. He can't even re- <laughs> he can't even keep a straight face. So, <laughs> I, who says I play the recorder? Oh, oh my God. That's like playing the kazoo. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a step up from the kazoo. But so anyway, my bandmates and I were sitting around last night, and I said, hey, it's Sid's birthday. Let's put together a tribute song for Sid. Oh, so, thank you for that. So we did. Hey, Sid. Hey there, Sid. Guess what, Sid? It's your birthday. <laughs> I bet you knew that, Sid. Of course you knew that, Sid. Happy birthday, Sid. It's your birthday. Very singable, right? Lots and lots of cake. Lots and lots of presents. Blow out the candles. Birthday fun. Happy birthday, happy birthday, Sid. Happy birthday, Sid. It's your birthday, Sid. You get the idea. Wow! Yeah, I so, mean, uh, uh, Bob Dylan's got to be shaking in his boots. Is. Well, the you know, lyrics. I I didn't stop there, said. Oh, you went further. No. Well, so last night, as you know, uh, uh, I was at the Devils game with Joe Nolan. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Yeah. And when the <laughs> game went south, you know, the Devils were losing five to one. We decided to cheer ourselves up by getting the crowd to sing "Happy Birthday" to no you. No way. Yes. And there's what this is what it sounded like. Great. So you're telling me 17,000 faithful well, in Newark, New Jersey, Ranger and Devil fans all broke into a Sid Rosenberg happy birthday chant. It was right just in our area, to be honest. Oh, okay. about it, yeah. <laughs> so then there's some famous people who, of course, want to wish you a happy birthday, your old buddy Jim Nance. Thanks for being such a role model to me and to our sports media industry. There is no one ever like you, Sid. I love you. And God bless you. Oh, hold yeah. on a second. That really is Jim Nance. Yeah. And now Al Michaels. Oh, what did you, uh, did you, is this like a Forrest Gump type of thing? Because the genius about Forrest Gump was somehow the guys that made that movie put Forrest. He was able to talk to Lyndon Johnson, right. Richard Nixon. How were we able to do that with Jim Nance? Well, he's a longtime friend of yours. Why? No, he's, he? a, he's, a, he's a friend of mine for 30 years. Of course. He uh, actually did call and do that? Uh, Al Michaels. Did, Al Michaels wanted to wish you a happy birthday. You know, one of the great pleasures and joys for me through all of the years is to visit with you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look at this. So then I said, you know, there's probably other people who want to pay tribute to you. So uh, here's some friends of yours in the U.K., fans of yours who wrote you a This is not from the U.K. Yes, they wrote you a song for your birthday. Happy birthday, Sid.
This is unbelievable. And did stop there. Great. Your fans are really international. I found uh, some fans of yours in Israel who wrote you a song. Happy birthday, C. <laughs> happy birthday, Toyo. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, C. And uh, finally, Sid, to round out your birthday yeah. celebration, yeah. Uh, you have lots of fans, as you know, down in Boca Raton. I do, yeah. And so there's this, gate, there's this gated community. No, I actually want to make out with you right now. I swear to God, I do. Go ahead. This gated community, uh, they actually gather every morning, uh, you know, at that little diner they have in the gated community, and they all listen to the show together. So as they were there yesterday, they decided to sing you happy birthday. Happy birthday to I really don't know what to say. Thank you for that. That was I love you, man. That was great. You know, Daniel reminds me years and years ago. Noam, thank you. That was really outstanding. Years ago, we went to Disney World. Let's go to Disney all the time. We lived in South Florida. We had the you know the annual pass, and uh, we went one year for her birthday, and they put a name tag on you. And every single person that works at Disney that walks by, part of their responsibility is to wish you a happy birthday. So she couldn't walk two feet without some Disney employee yelling, Happy birthday, Danielle. And I was getting furious because, A, I'm jealous. Even if the guy was gay, I got mad. And, B, I was just annoyed by the whole thing, you know. So she's reminding me what a set of balls I have that I gave her a hard time at Disney when I've basically done a birthday show for myself. (laughs) That was all Gnome, though. And she said, Tell Gnome. That happy birthday song is right up there with that baby shark song. <laughs> I will not be able to get this out of my head like I need it. Thanks, Noam. And that comes from your biggest fan, Danielle Rosenberg. Does she want to hear it one more time? Nope. Okay. Not even one more time. Sid, 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 Sid. <laughs> happy birthday. It's your birthday. Uh, no Thank you, Noam. Good stuff. Uh, this is a Joe Esposito He's uh, enjoying today's show. Anthony Carone checks in. Anthony and Frank Carone, both good friends of mine, wishing me a happy birthday. Here's a good buddy. He says, uh, happy birthday, my brother. Your mother was great. Your friend from Williamsburg loves you. And my friend from Williamsburg, I love you, too. And uh, Zeb Brenner. How about Zeb Brenner? There you have it. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
Louie doing a great job today playing all my favorites. This is Oasis, Don't Go Away at 849, your hump day, birthday, sitting friends in the morning show on a Wednesday. And it's been a really a great show already. Frank Morano got us going in the 6 o'clock hour. He was terrific. Uh, both guys in the 7 o'clock hour, Curtis Sliwa and Joseph Takapina. I thought Takapina was very informative about what he's doing in this latest Trump rape allegation case, where he is in the Trump bread case. And, of course, uh, in the 8 o'clock hour, my mom. And now we close out the 8 o'clock hour, and Noam, who was tremendous, with uh, Peter King. Uh, again, in my lifetime, the two best politicians, Woody Giuliani and Peter King. That's it. And Peter not only did a great job on Long Island, but, my God, all those years, Homeland Security, just a, a great guy. And he and I get into these uh, disagreements on this show. We actually fight every now and then. But when it's over, it's a good Shabbos, and then I love you. And I, I really do Respect this guy as much as you can respect anybody. He's my dear friend, Peter King. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Shaden. and happy birthday. Uh, happy thank birthday. you, buddy. Love thank you. Service. Thank you. And we got into it uh, pretty good last week over the uh, to share a thing. But I think on this one, you and I will totally agree. And that is what Jim Jordan did just a couple of days ago. And my friend Jennifer Harrison, who just wished me a happy birthday, and, and uh, Madeline Bream and Jose Alba and all these victims here in New York having a chance to speak, to speak and tell their story while Alvin Bragg wastes time going after Donald Trump. I think you and I will agree on this one. What Jim Jordan and that committee did on Tuesday was a great thing. Now, as said, you and I agree 1,000% on this. What Jim Jordan did was absolutely essential. Well, to me, even more significant was how terrible the Democrats were. I mean, for them to be talking about this is just all about Trump, this is phony, these people are being used. When you had those family members of victims, some who were brutalized and even murdered in the most horrible ways, and for the Democrats to somehow pass this off as a, a political advertisement or a commercial, I mean, that shows that basically down deep they are heartless. And as bad as Bragg is, I think those Democrats there that day disgraced themselves, the Congress, and it was just a horrible insult you know, to those victims who had the guts to come out. I mean, listen, you go through a trauma like that, a horror like that, and you know, of having a family member killed or attacked or wounded, and then to uh, have the nerve, the courage to go on national television, to go before the United States Congress, and then be ridiculed, to be ridiculed by the Democrats. And they were being ridiculed. You know, the Democrats say, well, we weren't really criticizing them. We were criticizing the fact that they were being used. Not true. That's the worst insult of all. You're saying these people aren't smart enough to know right. what they're right. doing. I mean, it was absolutely disgraceful. So now Jim Jordan, he did the right thing, and we need more of it. And let the American people know they're real victims to these crimes, and these are the people who are suffering. You know, just got nice messages from Marianne from Brooklyn for the Howard Stern fans and Jack Manzo and Ralph Napolitano, all these folks. And I kind of joked earlier with Curtis Sliwa. I wonder if Mayor Eric Adams will send me a message today because you know, Peter, that the mayor and I have uh, forged this nice friendship. And you've been with the mayor a couple of times the last couple of months, and you guys get along well, too. But I have been very critical on record. I remain critical today of what he's been doing. And you mentioned these Democrats on Tuesday. You're talking about guys like Adam Schiff. I get it, Jerry Nadler. But right at the front of that was the mayor. I mean, the mayor is out there with a press conference. He actually called it a stunt, a Donald Trump donation and I'm sorry, it's one thing for Washington Democrats to go that way, but if you're the mayor of New York City and all these people that spoke that day were victims of crime from New York, I thought the worst of all was Mayor Eric Adams. He really had an opportunity. Listen, he 
uh, has said he was going to fight crime. In many respects, he does the right thing. But it seems that when it really comes time to get it done, he holds back. I mean, his, his uh, commissioner is great. The NYPD is great. But the fact is, the people who are hurting us here the most are the DAs, the city council, the state legislature, the Democrats in Albany. And he has an obligation to stand up because until he does, until he takes them on, and until he agrees that there's – now, this isn't just a debate we're having over, you know, what kind of methods we should use. The fact is there are people being killed. There are people being attacked. You had a cop being hit in the head with a bottle in broad daylight the other day. You have every day open the paper. Someone's being shot. Someone's being attacked. Now, he has an absolute obligation to get out there and speak up. Listen, he, he did a good thing by giving the cops the, you know, the back pay and the raise yeah. they're entitled to. Yep. And I think AOC is – she's disgraced herself again by saying that, you know, the cops shouldn't get paid enough. But having said all that, no, the mayor, this is his moment. He's got he's to stand up. At, you know, the time for talk is over. He's got to be out front on this. He's got to show leadership, and he's got to show real results, not just talk about it, but let the cops do what they have to do. Fight Albany, fight the governor, tell them that what they are doing is costing lives here in New York. And also, when someone like Jim Jordan comes in, he doesn't have to wrap his arms around Jordan. We can say, listen, this is needed. We, we, I, want, I want the people of New York to see just how bad it can be Correct. if we don't get this situation straightened out. I mean, not just not holding back, Peter, but I'm going to play this audio cut for you quickly. The day that Donald Trump was indicted, that Thursday morning, uh, the grand jury, we had we heard reports the grand jury was going to go out for a month, and we said, okay, it ain't happening. Clearly, Alvin Bragg doesn't have a case. In fact, you'll hear me talk to the mayor. That was the last time the mayor was on this show. Three weeks ago tomorrow, opening day, Yankees-Giants. And I start the question by saying, well, it looks like there's no case. And I gave the mayor an opportunity to kind of go off, if you will, on Alvin Bragg. And instead, I'm sure you've heard this already, but most haven't, wait till you hear the mayor's response when I asked him about Alvin Bragg. Now we hear the grand jury maybe another month. It ain't going to happen because the truth is Alvin Bragg does not have a case. What are your thoughts on the Manhattan DA getting in so deep that he tried to bring a case that, quite frankly, Mr. Mayor, doesn't exist? You, you know, there's one thing I learned, Sid. Let prosecutors do their job, and I'll do my job. I do not get involved with it. Uh, I do know that there are layers to an investigation and that I don't recall the DA ever stating uh, that where was he in the process. Uh, I think there was a lot of speculations. There was a lot of rumors. Uh, there were a lot of innuendos flying around. But I think the DA has been extremely professional. Stop it right there. I think the DA has been extremely professional. That's the answer I get from Mayor Adams when there are people walking around the streets that have 19 priors, 24 priors, 30 priors, beating up people every single day, and his DA and his attorney general are spending millions and millions of dollars trying to put Donald Trump away. I think Alvin Bragg has been extremely professional. Are you kidding me, King? I tell you, uh, he, he, he dropped the ball. It's wrong. He, listen, he's got he's to knock it off. He's got to take on who the bad guys here. The bad guys are Alvin Bragg, city council, state legislature, all these progressive Democrats with their uh, uh, nonsensical bail reform, on the age for the criminals, on again tying the hands of the cops, and uh, so listen, he's, he's yeah. got to get out there. Yep. He's better than the Bobby, he, He's better than the budget, But if you listen back to that uh, that audio, he clearly knew that yeah, it was, was coming. Stuff, sure. Right, right. And by the way, he was on stage with Al Sharpton, Letitia James, and Alvin Bragg, and all these losers. Not long and after that, yeah. And AOC, right, but he knew, listening to that audio, that it was still coming, and that's what I also found pretty 
pretty eye-opening about that audio from three weeks ago. And, and I think, Peter, what these Democrats don't understand is, is, and we talked about Donald Trump's electability. Now, you know, of course, that there are GOP donors now that are pulling money out of DeSantis. One major, major donor said, hey, his six-week abortion uh, ban and also the uh, the book deal, that ain't going to work. He's not electable. So all of a sudden, big GOP donors have deemed that not Trump, DeSantis, is the one not electable. The Democrats realize they're making the path for Donald Trump back to Pennsylvania Avenue even easier? You know, so I still think Donald Trump is going to have trouble getting reelected. I, I also said all along, though, that I didn't know how DeSantis was going to do once he hit the national stage. And so far, he hasn't performed. He's not been able to stand up. You know, one thing about Trump, in 2015, he boomed onto the national stage. And people said, okay, once the debates start, once the campaign gets going, he's going to be finished. Well, instead, he got better as he went along. DeSantis is not getting better. So, again, I am not supporting Donald yet in the primaries. But having said that, he would certainly be better than Biden in the general. Whether he wins or not, and there's a lot of negatives there, and even some of these people that are leaving him, like you know, on the abortion issue, when Donald Trump ran, he was the ultimate right-to-life candidate. He was the one who said we had to uh, you know, reverse uh, Roe versus Wade. So, again, he's sort of having it both ways. Listen, I'd rather not get into that now because right, we should be focusing on Biden, and I, I'm not certain that DeSantis is the guy who can beat yeah. Trump anyway. Yeah, that's true. Uh, what do you think about this last story? I, I know he, he should do it. Why shouldn't he do it? He's serving right now. Kevin McCarthy swore him in. And there could be 9 million investigations going on, like with Trump. But George Santos already announcing he's running again. I mean, the guys on Long Island, your friends, the Kairos, the Espositos, they got to be pulling their hair out of their head, no? Yeah, they are. Listen, this guy's got to go. Uh, I think I'm, I'm, what I'm hoping for, and it can happen, is that I think he can be expelled from the Congress, not for the lies. That you know, That's one thing. The fact is he's filed false reports with the federal government on his campaign money. He has an account of $700,000. If there's a special election, Republicans will win it. He's being used against us. In the long run, it's going to kill us in Nassau County if Santos, the longer he sticks around. Because every candidate who runs, like, like Curtis, listen, I was I, I was never a Santos supporter. You listen to Curtis, I was the biggest Santos supporter of all. That's what the Democrats are going to do. To every Republican, yeah. and, you know, in this year's elections, you are George Santos. So he's there. He's a liar. He's a pathological liar. And uh, as bad as other people are, he's nuts. I think he passed a lie detector test. Yeah, I say he's a he liar, did. but I don't think he knows he's a liar. No, he is. He's pathological. Again, 30 seconds to go. Is Michelle Johnson Capitola going to get her way in this uh, big issue with housing under Kathy Hochul's plan in Nassau County? Say that would devastate uh, Nassau County. Uh, if Johnson is doing what the other Republicans are doing in Nassau County. We have to fight that. Hopefully, it can be killed in Albany right now. If not, it's going to be the main issue in the campaigns. Basically, you can't be turning Nassau County in, in, you know, into New York City. Listen, I grew up in the city. I love the city. But people live in the suburbs for a reason. They don't want to have massive housing. And again, the way this is done, it's a one size fits all. And we are going to fight it tooth and nail. We have to preserve the suburbs. Peter, I, I can't thank you enough. You know, you, all kidding aside, you have become a dear friend. Danielle loves you. Ava loves you. Gabe loves you. We love you. And Roe, of course, and Tim, the whole crew. So thank you for hopping on this uh, birthday show this morning. Great job as you do every Wednesday. God bless you, pal. Thank you, Sid. Happy birthday. My man, Peter King, wrapping up hour number three. Here's some more Oasis. Don't go away.
with Sid and friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Get ready for a night of classic tunes. Another great song by Lou Rufino. Break it down again. Tears for Fears, a night of classic tunes with Herman's Hermit starting Peter Noon along with the Buckinghams. It's coming to Bergen Pack on Saturday, June the 17th. I'm into something good. I love that song. Sunshine Girl, kind of a drag. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Be caller number six right now at 1-800-848-WABC, and you'll be seeing Herman's Hermits and the Buckingham singing all of their hits. It comes your way once again Saturday, June the 17th at Bergen Pack. Caller number six right now at 1-800-848-9222. And to buy tickets for all Bergen Pack shows, go to bergenpack.org. Good luck with that. Uh, the messages continue to come in. Rich Rodabelli. Is that how you say his name? I like this guy. He's a no, great that's not how you say it, but uh, you're never going to get it right, so there you go. But he's getting closer, right? Well, how do you say his name, dickface? It's easy, man. It just sounded out. It's Rato Bali. What is that? Never, never forget it. Scott Rich is a very good producer. Yeah, he's good. He's he does great... the cat show at night. Yeah, he does the Greg like Kelly him. show as well. And, well, the what half, other show? The half that I don't do. What what show is that? <laughs> the Greg Kelly show. Oh, yeah. We love Greg. Uh, Liz Pipko checks in. She'll be back next week. Gina Bina. This girl did the most adorable Sid Rosenberg post I've ever seen. She's got me in like six or seven different outfits, T-shirts and sport jackets, different oh, no. posts I've had in the past. Oh, my God. And she put a birthday hat on all of them. It is hilarious. Gina Bina. Love her. Frankie Kravitz. My mom mentioned the Spivaks, our next-door neighbors upstate. That's really the only people she associates with outside of her relatives. Susan Spivak, their oldest daughter. Got three great kids, Susan, Cheryl, and Hindi. Chris Lenzo, who just gave me that beautiful award, the Warren Brandeis Award, Tuesday at the Metropolitan Gala. My buddy Johnny, Mr. Bayabard Johnny. Craig Eaton, who's on the cat show at night. Great attorney, terrific guy. He checks in. I think I'm getting everybody here. My friend Josh. Oh, John. John Batash from St. Francis Hospital, the doctor. Pat Russo. Love Pat Russo. Stevie 
from um, from Joe and Joe and Pro River, Jack Manzo, and uh, the rest. So I always tell you, I got this tree, you know. I think in radio, the biggest tree is Imus. Think of the folks that started on the Imus show and where they went from there. I'm one of them, obviously, but Bernard. Mike Breen started on the Imus show. Now he's the voice of the Knicks and the NBA. Ian Eagle, he's the voice of the Nets and everything on CBS. Mike and the Mad Dog. I don't know. I'm missing a, a million people, I'm sure. But Imus has the biggest, I think, radio tree in the history of the business. And I got a little one forming here. I've got Joy Taylor. She worked uh, uh, in that uh, room with Sharon, what's his name? Uh, Shannon Sharp and uh, Skip Bayless. Then she went on to become Colin Coward's sidekick. Now she's got her own show on Fox Sports. Uh, I've also got uh, Chris Olivero, who runs all of the major Odyssey stations here in New York, including WFAN, 1010 Win, CBS. He was my intern. Victor Bermudez, he's won a bunch of Emmy Awards, about three of them already, at Telemundo. I've got a pretty good list of folks that have gone on to do some great things. One of my guys that is on his way to doing big things is Luke Lograno, who was on this show last year is when he left. He went to ESPN in Bristol to become a big star. Now, he hasn't made it just yet, but he's at the right place, and he's a great kid. And Luke wants to wish me a happy birthday, so I guess he misses me. I don't know. Why are you calling exactly? Because it's your 56th birthday, Sidney Ferris. You think I'd miss a day like this? You know what's funny? When you left and went to ESPN, which is your, your dream, you're a sports guy, a great sports guy. You got this gig in Bristol, Connecticut. I got to be honest, Luke, I really thought we'd never hear from you again. If we did, it would be rarely. But you, you keep in contact every day, which means two things, A, you really do miss me on this show, and B, you hate your job at ESPN. You hate it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, listen, I don't get to make dance compilations here at ESPN. That is something I don't get to do that I used to do at WABC. But, no, I told you guys I'd keep in touch because you're just such a lovely group of people that I wouldn't want to lose touch with you guys. No, we, and, uh, we, on, on such a big day like this, yeah. 56 years old, like you say, closer to 60 than 50. I right, shut up. to check in and see how you're doing. That's fine. I'm okay. Don't, 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 don't worry about the age. is fine. But, but thank you. It's a thought that counts. And I really do love the fact that you do keep in touch and you do still love us. And we do love you. You're, you're one of the great folks that ever worked with us here at WABC. So we... We're happy you're doing well up there, and you, you called on my birthday. That's very nice, Luke, very nice. And uh, my father says happy birthday as well, but I know he'd, uh, he'd kick your ass if he came down and said to himself. So, no, I, I had to pass uh, I love your father. He's still waiting for me across the street. <laughs> he's still across the street at Smith and Molenski's. He's still there. Now, he's, what, is his name Larry, Luke? Yeah, that's correct. No, he's a nice. Your whole family is nice. You're wonderful people, and you're a great kid. And keep doing well up there in Bristol and, until you get fired, and you'll come back here, okay? I, I sure can. I, I can do that for you, Sid. But, uh, happy, happy birthday. I okay. love you. I love, I love you, you, too. I love Lou. I love the whole crew. Thank you. Thank you. You guys have a great rest of your day, right? There he is, a great Luke Legrano. Uh, my wife reminds me, George Sedano, one of the major stars at ESPN Today, does play-by-play, his own show with Scott Kaplan, weekday afternoons in Los Angeles. He was my intern, too. But, you know, I started my career down in South Florida with Scott Kaplan. At one point, we were syndicated on Westwood One by our good friend there, Joel Hollander, and sports fan radio network and it at least got me the opportunity to come to new york and do that terrible morning show with scott and craig carton at 102.7 wnwfm but but doing that morning show was how i got to meet mark chernoff i told you this earlier when you talk about the great radio executives in the history of the business i think you got to start with Cherny. 
I really do. You can't go wrong. I, you got to start there. He's one of the greats. I think he is the greatest. He's, he probably is the greatest. He's somebody I missed. He was just a great person. He's a super guy. Oh, my God. He is. He went on to become a father-like figure for me. And Danielle. Danielle loves him, too. And um, he brought me into WFAN in 2000. And I really believe that 23 years later, even with all the things that have happened since, and a lot has, that a major part of my success was Chernoff giving me the opportunity 23 years ago today and here he is, the genius, and I mean that. We talk about IMS, talk about Mike and the Mad Dog, all those guys. The genius behind WFAN, the great Mark Chernoff. Good morning, Mark. Hi, Sid. Hey, Sid, when we met that first day, were you wearing a Rangers jersey? It was. How do you remember? How do you remember that? How do you remember that? Well, at least at least you weren't wearing skates out there, <laughs> although we weren't too far from the rink. And I got one other one. Wasn't there an incident where we were doing a Rangers promotion and somehow you were in a coffin? No, what happened was the NHL was about to go on strike. So it was either you or Spitz who came up with this genius idea that me and Joe Beningo, we were working together at the time during middays, were going to have a funeral for the NHL. So we went outside of Ben Benson's Steakhouse, and you brought a coffin, and me and Joe went in the coffin representing the death of the NHL. How about that? Oh, God. Well, I, I knew I, I remembered it, but not exactly. <laughs> yeah, but. No, that was one of the uh, fun things we did. And, yes, I, I did, in fact, meet you during that uh, epic Met Yankee Subway Series in 2000, and that paved the way for me to come work for you later on that year doing uh, sports on IMIS and – you know, Turn, it's crazy. I, I, I think back to those days, and Don's gone, and a lot of folks have uh, since yep. left us since then. You look back at your career, it's got to be eye-opening, all the things you saw. Well, a lot of people. Um, a lot of people I really loved. I, I really loved everywhere I've worked and everything I've done, uh, minus one one very short time uh, when we did this free FM format, and um, I got to work with David Lee Roth. But um, other than that, <laughs> that was rough. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was a rough, that was a rough <laughs> You were not very happy that day, no. But you did. You know, Howard still mentions you to this day, Stern, uh, <laughs> about you in the bathroom. I'm not going to get to the specifics, by the way, Stern. But... <laughs> hey, listen, for charity, listen, I, I don't mind telling the story. Yeah, two things there. Um, one, he wanted me to have a, let's call it, he said a Hitler mustache, which certainly I did not want to do, but for what was going to be eventually $30,000 in charity money. I said, all right, for a day, I'll walk around the radio station like that. But then he said, no, there's a part two. You have to expose yourself to me. And Tom Chisano, the general manager, said, you're nuts. Don't do it. Bill Ayers, who was running World Hunger Year at the time, which became Why Hunger, said, please don't do this. This is crazy. And I said, well, you know, it's all for charity. Why not? You know, uh, Howard was going to give a check for ten grand. Fred was going to give a check for the same amount, and Robin was going to give a check for the same amount. So I did it, and we go into the bathroom, and I go into a stall, and Howard says, "I I can't believe we're actually going to do this." And I said, "Well, you said you were going to do it, so here we go." <laughs> Maybe it was like a two second thing, and he goes, "Oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. Why am I doing this?" I said, Howard is all for charity. So I was a good, I was a good sport, and and and, um, and he was great about it. And, and would I do it again? Maybe not, but right. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and what's funny for people that know you, you, you know, you're such a buttoned up guy and, and you're a fun yeah. guy. Don't get me wrong. But the idea of you showing your penis to Howard Stern is, is just it's just hard to believe. But I tell you, in the name of charity, Churn, you did a lot of crazy stuff. Let me remind you of this uh, vision. Lee Davis jumping up and down, yelling and screaming, please stop the fight. The 20-year anniversary of Fear at the Pier is coming up this October. And on that day, we did raise a quarter of a million dollars for kids with cancer for Don Imus. But that was a charity event, and that had to be one of the great events in the history of the fan, yes? Yes, but I think I said to you, Bernie is, knows how to box. You really shouldn't be doing this. You said, no, I'm going to do it. Yeah. If I get pummeled, I get pummeled. And you did. Right. But, uh, yeah. Well, it was one of the many things. You also said to me, don't go to Atlantic City. You also yes. said to me, don't go to yes. this Christmas party. <laughs> yes. I mean, and well, then I, I think you were actually in, in Cleveland of all places. Right. You told me not to go there, too. That's right. Yeah. That's right. No, you were right when I look back now, a lot of those things. But, you know, Churn, and I think you could appreciate this, I never really believed in destiny, uh, necessarily that God paves the way for all these things to happen. But... I'm starting to. I guess I'm getting older, and I lost my father, and we just talked about friends of ours that have died the last couple of years, including Bernard. And I'm starting to be a little more spiritual these days, and maybe it, all, maybe it is all part of one big plan, Sharon. Maybe it is. Well, what it, whatever it is, you know, you're still a babe. You're only 56. you got a lot more years to go. Um, and, you know, I'm proud of how you really recovered from so many of the things, all those demons that you had. I remember... We met at a diner once, you, me, and Danielle, yeah. out on Route 4, out yeah. in Hackensack, Hackensack or Paramus. I forget which town that was actually in, but it was out on Route 4. And you really needed help, and you got some, but you weren't willing to go all the way back then. True. I know you went to some rehab way up in Sussex County, but if I remember correctly, and it might not be exactly right, you sort of walked out of there like, okay, I'm cured, I'm better. And it's like we said, no, you really weren't there long enough to, yeah, true. to be all better. Right. Nope. But but you said, nope, I'm okay. And um, I felt bad all the times that we had to let you go. Um, and and every time I, I did eventually bring you back. But because um, I hated to do it because, uh, you know, you've always been a talented guy. Um, I think everybody has pretty much agreed with that. You know, you were a terrific sports show host. We had fun with you on the IMA show. There were some things that didn't go over well, like the fashion uh, show with you and Janice Dean <laughs> up in Mohegan Sun. <laughs> then there was the time that um, you had stolen, I, I think I'm using the, the right word, right. shirts. You went to a cleaner. Yeah. You picked up shirts. You knew they weren't yours, but well, you well, liked well, them. I mean, you were close. I mean, the cleaner dropped the shirts <laughs> off. And, okay. and, and, and of course, once they become part of my possession, you know, the rule, 99%. <laughs> so I wore the shirts to work, and uh, Imus one day looked down at the sleeves, and he said, wait a second, last I checked, your initials, Sid Rosenberg, are SR. Why, well, first of all, your shirts don't fit, and secondly, why are the initials <laughs> HH? <laughs> but we brought in, we, brought, we called Vinny Pepitone, and Vinny sent over some of his friends, and I still remember you hiding under the desk in my office. I was scared to death. Johnny C. So His name scared. was Johnny C. Johnny. He almost killed me. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Let me tell you how bad that they got. Bo Deedle and Imus both drew their guns 
in the studio that day. Johnny C threw the computer against the wall. He, it was nuts. And all you guys did a very good job of acting. And listen, it was that was a time. I know. Listen, I, I I'm very very close, as you know, Mark, with Chris Olivero. I love him. He was my intern 23 years ago, and I'm very close again with Craig Carton. He and I spoke actually just two days ago. And I always wish the best for those guys. But those years that I was there and you had Imus and whether it was me and Joe or Jody and me or even Jody and Susan and you had Mike and the Mad Dog and Summers and all that, I really believe those were the those were the golden years of sports talk radio of WFAN. And you were the guy in charge and you were great at it. Just great. Well, you know, that's very nice of you. It was uh, absolutely a, a very much a fun part of my life. You know, there were trying times as well. But um, just to be a part of that radio station and, uh, you know, I didn't join the station until 93. And the station had really been on since the summer or since July 1st, 1987. A lot of people think I had something to do with Mike and the Mad Dog. I did not. Mark Mason put them together. But for me, it was just great being able to work with them. And the same goes for Imus, and the same goes way back to K-Rock and Howard Stern, and the same goes to WNEWFM and Scott Muni. The people that I learned so much from, um, you know, I've, I, I myself had some great program directors, some great general managers, people who really showed uh, some support when I needed it and gave me chances. So like you, I'm just very appreciative yeah. of, of uh, of the radio career. And, uh, you know, I'm still doing stuff. I think I've told you I do some air shifts and some sports for a station called The Boss for Robbie Bridges uh, down at um, the Jersey Shore, 107.1 The Boss. And that's a classic hit station. I also do some classic hits uh, shows on a station called The Drive down in Washington, D.C. And I go in live, and it's back to my early roots, and it's all still a lot of fun. Yeah. I got to say, it's just a tremendous amount of fun. Well, I'd like to see you do that here on a Saturday or a Sunday. Music Radio 77 WABC has really taken off. John Katzmatidis, a brilliant idea, I must say. And a guy that yep. you know very well, you, who worked uh, with you at WFAN, my boss here, I'm very proud of as well, Chad Lopez, running operations yep. here. And I think you'd be great on a Saturday or Sunday here, Tony. I really do. Well, if they have any interest i'm more than open to doing that um it would be fun i mean working at one of the great am signals in new york was of course uh, wfan and they still operate on the am and i know that uh, your boss um got i guess mike pence to record a psa yep. and hopefully am radio will survive there's a lot of great radio stations that for whatever the reason are not on fm and uh you know i i certainly hope the am AM dial remains an integral part of radio and stays in cars, but not my call. I just wish and hope that it does remain. It's it's deserved that, you know, not everybody can move over to FM for whatever the reason. And um, most AM signals, uh, especially whether it's the big cities or the small cities, do have a local purpose and a local reason for being there. And I just hope that it's successful, whatever Mr. Katsimatidis and um, the whole industry will be supportive and get to the automakers and, and just hope that uh, we can get the AM to still exist in cars. Agreed. And uh, Mark Levin and Sean Hannity also very, uh, very loud about keeping the AM, especially with the new electric cars as well. Uh, listen, you're, you're, a, you're just a treasure. I love you. Not a birthday goes by the last 20-plus years. I don't get an early morning text from Mark Chernoff. And, again, all this success I'm enjoying today dates all the way back 
to you giving me a chance when I didn't deserve it, really, 23 years ago. I'll never forget that. I love you, Mark Chernoff. Lewis, you want to say hello to Mark? Uh, it's so great to hear his voice. That's all. I just miss him a lot. It's... Yeah, and Lou, we always had a good time working. And even, you know, there were some trying times with Imus. But I don't know if people knew that you uh, put together those best of shows. And, man, sometimes they were not easy to come up with best of shows. <laughs> there, were, there, were, there were times when, well, remember some of the stuff was also dated, but, you know, just trying to sift through all of that stuff and, and Rob's stuff and Larry Kenny's stuff and Charles's stuff and Breen's stuff and, uh, you know, Sid, Warner, everybody who was a part of, of the show. And, Lou, you were just an amazing integral part of that show as well. That's nice of you to say, Mark. It's, it was great times. That's all I can remember. They were really great times. Tony, uh, we love you, buddy. I Thank you. Working Same here. Yes. Thank you so much for well. calling that's, in. That's, uh, all right. Danielle, of course. You okay. got it. And the same to Sally and the rest of your beautiful family. There he is, folks, one of the real geniuses in the history of New York Radio. He's still working down in Jersey, but I remember what I said. I'd love to get Cherney here on a weekend. He still loves that. Uh, the same music we love, you and I, Lewis. be great to get Cherney on a Saturday or Sunday right here. Continue the big names, the legends at WABC. And certainly Mark Chernoff is that. That was a nice surprise. Thank you, guys. We'll uh, take a short break, I guess, right? Come back. More of this Wednesday edition of Sid and Friends in the morning right after this. Sid's take. Sid's take. Sid's take, yeah! Good luck. It's Sid's take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. All right. Wednesday hump day edition of uh, the Fearless Boilers. Sid's take trivia game. Your birthday edition. Uh, sponsored by Pete Morgan of Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. Find a dealer near you. They are the world's best-built boilers. Janine out in South Carolina. What's going on, Janine? Hey, hi. Hey, how's it going? All right. All right. We got uh, a little trivia game for you. and It's on your hands today. I'm going to give your best effort to uh, try and beat Sid. All right, which came first Wednesday? I'm going to give you two... Uh, Two dated events or two dated uh, inventions, something of that sort. you got to tell me which came first, okay? Okay. All right, here we go. Number one, Sid's birthday or Lou Rufino's birthday? Lou Rufino's birthday. Spectacular. Very smart, you mean. On to number two, DVD or TiVo? Uh, DDT. Spectacular. <laughs> I know what you meant. So we'll give it to you. Two for two. <laughs> On to number three, the five cent piece or the nickel or the parking meter. What was the uh, first choice again? The nickel, the coin, the nickel coin. Oh, the nickel. Yep. Spectacular. Three for three, Janine. She has studied up four. On to number four. The first night baseball game or the first night football game? The first night baseball game. Wow. 
He's on it. Number five. Oh. Are we playing a computer? Oh, man. Google or Yahoo? Oh, gosh. I'm about to go with Yahoo. That's spectacular. Oh, five for five. Wow, Janine. On it. <laughs> that was very impressive. We'll keep you on hold there. Janine, you'll get to... Uh, you went five for five. You get to your Sid's uh, side of the turn. You ready to go? You went five for five? Five for five. All Thank right. you to uh, Kenneth Weiss, who sent a nice uh, birthday note to my wife. Mm-hmm. Kenneth is a nice guy. He's in the uh, real estate business. There you go. Do you want to uh, give a quick shout-out to uh, Frank Silla real quick? Because I'm getting yelled at already. Well, what did he do wrong? Nothing, but you didn't read the uh, close to the Tunnel to Towers so. thing. Oh, well, we love Frank. Donate $11 <laughs> a month for America's Heroes at T2T.org. Listen to Frank every Wednesday. And we love Frank Silla. Steve Z. Mac checking in. My old producer down in Florida. We love Steve. Jill Vitale, very nice message. Kono Corbino, who's very close with my dear friend in Williamsburg. Joe Lisi, Cheryl Klein checking in. And uh, that's it for now, I guess. I, uh-huh. I have a million messages on Facebook and Instagram. And you know what happens? People get upset if I don't. You'll get to everybody. I can't get to everybody. I'm going to have to send out like one, Peter Kramer that's from fine. Mateo's and East Polka. i got to put out one message that just says, thank you, everybody. There that you go. Type of thing, you know? I think the way, where you go wrong is you list the first person's name. And then and now you have to feel like you have to list everybody. Right. So if you just don't name anybody, you're in the clear. It's I mean, it's like I have like thousands. Like I'm famous. Bro. Mm-hmm. It's called an Irish goodbye. You yeah. just wave Smell you and later. walk out the door. That's what. It's That's called. an Irish goodbye. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, I, I you can... don't even wave half the time. No, no you don't wave. But you just you escape. You just get out. Bob and weave out. out of there. Okay. Like what right. I used to do to you when you would bring me down to some unholy place in the village. You didn't. You didn't say goodbye all that quick. Took ninety Jagermeister shots. Well, I don't know if that that was the number, but if you <laughs> it, was, it was close. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the damn place was burning down. Blondie said so the fire department was there. They couldn't get you and I to leave. <laughs> Ed <laughs> Coleman wouldn't leave the back. Ed Coleman had two beers left. What's that? There's smoke. Oh. <laughs> I wish I was there. I got a uh, Met game. Please. I got a Met game tonight. I'm yeah. I wish I was there. Let's yeah, go. Should, Let's go. Probably were there. All right. Number one. <laughs> number one. Sid's birthday, or Lou Rufino's birthday? Oh, which came first? Yeah, right? which came first? You mean the date or the year? Well, I Lou's older. It's Lou. Lou's. Well, okay, there you go. That's yeah. the answer. <laughs> <laughs> one for one. Number two. See, I told you. Yeah, yeah. You overthink it. Yep. DVD or TiVo? Ooh, tough one. DVD. I don't know how to do either one of those things. Danielle did all that for me. Or TiVo. TiVo was out. You had to tape the shows on TV. It was a... Um, I'm, I'm going to guess it. I don't know. I'm going to go with uh, DVD. I didn't know that. I guess. They're actually closer than you think. I thought TiVo was like mid-2000s, just a year later. Really? Yeah. Yeah. On to number three. I got a TiVo. I never opened it. Yeah. I was afraid I didn't know how to use it. A so. lot of people did that, I feel yeah. like. Just had an unopened TiVo in their <laughs> Unopened TiVo, yeah. <laughs> On to number three, the uh, nickel, the five-cent piece, right. or the parking meter. Oh, my God. Well, but the parking meter... Mm-hmm. Needed coins to operate. So I'm going to go with the nickel. Look at that thought process. That was called uh, deducing. <laughs> My man just deduced. <laughs> three for four. Three yeah. for three. Three for three. Perfect. That's what that polyprep education did. Yeah. There you go. How are we going to solve this one? Let's get Rosenberg yeah. on this one. Number four. The first night baseball game or the first night football game. Oh, 
which came first? Yeah, which came first? First night football game. Nope. Really? Yeah. First night baseball game, 1883. First night football game, 1892. No kidding. How about it? How about what? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I thought you meant Wrigley Field. They never played it in the uh, nighttime. Did I say anything about Wrigley Field? No, but I thought you meant it. You implied it. You implied it by the other. Who went? Something. You did something. Oh, okay. Good deducing. (laughs) (laughs) On number five, you've already lost today's game. Uh, On your birthday, no less. (laughs) Google or Yahoo? Oh, it's definitely Yahoo. There you go. All right, thank you. Good job by uh, the lady. What's her name? Janine. Janine. All right, she wins five to four. We'll come back. My beautiful wife, Danielle, I know aboard a uh, gorgeous cake. We'll have some cake and uh, call it a day on this Wednesday. Happy birthday edition of the 12 plus number one show in New York City. Sid and friends in the morning. We'll be right back. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Boy, this is Sid and Friends in the Morning. How many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. All right, Don't Stop Me Now by Queen as Lou Rapino continues to play some of my favorite songs on this. Today, my 56th birthday, and Justin Ellick, my main man, Justin, who's been doing just a tremendous job at this show, just walked into the studio with a cake. It is a chocolate cake. Now, my wife, Danielle, bought this cake, my beautiful wife, Danielle. She knows what I like. She knows what I like. It's a great chocolate cake, and in white icing, it reads, Happy Birthday, Sydney. There are eight candles on the cake. Why eight? Because uh, I ran out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you weren't going to put 56 candles No, I, I thought about it for a no. second, for like a hot second, but no. I didn't have 56 candles. And honestly, it's it was hard to like um, jam yeah, them in there. It's a good-looking cake, huh? It's a beautiful That's a serious cake. cake that's a serious-looking cake. All right, cake. well, this is the part wow. where uh, Gnome's at his desk, Justin's in the studio, Lou's at his desk. I did see uh, Drosh walking around and Jimmy and all the guys, so... Here's the uh, part where you guys actually sing happy birthday to me, and then All we'll right. have some cake, and uh, Justin and Lou will have sex. Uh, uh, again? What? Yeah. Does it have to involve the candle? Yes. Oh. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. And three, two, one. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sydney. Happy birthday to you. Oh, that was lovely. That's a quite a rendition right there, gentlemen. That was very, very good. Let me blow him out before you burn the place down. Play ball. All right, big wish. What's he wishing for? I don't know. It's, it's I don't the, know. As long as the floor is still here. Another another vacation, maybe? <laughs> oh! <laughs> there you go. And here goes the smoke alarm. Here goes the smoke alarm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That yeah. cake looks Woo. delicious. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, Danielle, thank you. Danielle's about to walk into court. I'm not even kidding. She's actually sitting in a oh car. Oh, my goodness. Got a big case, and uh, she's a terrific attorney. So thank you, Danielle. I love you for the cake, and I look forward to seeing you and Gabriel later on tonight. My daughter Ava, our daughter, sent me a beautiful message from Wales late last night. So thank you, Danielle. We'll all enjoy the cake this uh, morning and afternoon here at WABC. And that was a fun show. I mean, listen, we, we did uh, the political stuff. We had Peter King on, and... He talked extensively about it. My mother was able to shout out Donald Trump a couple of times, right? And Joe Tacopina went into real detail about his two cases now with uh, Donald Trump, the alleged rape case, which he came back to New York from London to start today, actually, and then December back in court for the Alvin Bragg nonsense. So, and Curtis, too, uh, talking about AOC and Eric Adams. So he did plenty of that, but this was more of a fun show today. And so when I sent to you guys... At the very top of the show, when asked by somebody to describe my show, I said this. I said, politics is to the Sid and Friend show what the mob violence was to the Sopranos. It's the periphery. It's the red meat. We both did it well. But the essence of both shows is life, family, and everyday ups and downs. And when my mom comes on at 8 o'clock, and it's her birthday today, too, and talks about me being her big gift 56 years ago and sharing memories of my father, who we still call Daddy, lovingly to this day. That's the essence of this show. That's why, whether it's 12 plus or 18 to 49 or 36 to 64, I don't give a rat's ass what devil you use. That's why people all across New York City love this show, listen to this show. People who work at other stations GMs, presidents, sales guys. How do I know? Because I know. Trust me. That's what this show does. So I want to thank uh, all my guys today. Lou Rafino, Justin Ellick. Great job, Justin. Noam Layden, all of our guests today. Once again, on the way out, I want to wish my mother, Naomi, I love you dearly. Happy birthday, my sisters, my wife, Danielle, my children, Ava and Gabriel, my father, Harvey, up in heaven. And again, all of you, enjoy your Wednesday here in New York City, folks. God willing, we'll all be back tomorrow morning for a 6 a.m. Thursday show. Thanks to Bill O'Reilly, too, for his huge donation and his nice email moments ago. And thank you all for the donations you made to the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD, inspired by our son, Gabriel. Checking my social media, Instagram and Facebook all day long. Have yourselves a great Wednesday, folks. Peace!